Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Albert, into this Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Today, I'm joined by Brant Daughtry. We'll be with you for the full three hours here on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. Today on the show, we will take your phone calls, of course, on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We will talk a lot about football, a lot of college football as the bowl season continues tell you about what happened last night what is going to happen the next 24 hours or so of bowl games and then today as it is each and every thursday it's a big time nfl day for us so we'll talk all about the national football league as we get ready for week 17 used to be that week 17 was the end of the season but of course we play 17 now and so we still have one more week after this one so we'll tell you about the nfl schedule as it's starting to hit the home stretch all the playoff scenarios of course talk about the atlanta falcons which of course you can hear right here on tiger 95.9 each and every sunday so we'll do a lot of stuff with the national football league uh and again excited to be here again a reminder no show on monday for new year so we'll have live shows today and tomorrow and then we'll be back at it in 2024 next Tuesday. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry with you here on this Thursday. Brant, how are you? Good, sir. I'm doing good. Uh, first of all, Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, first show back since since the holiday. And uh, yeah, I'm doing really well. Had a great time over in Americus, Georgia, where a large part of uh, where the older generation of my family is, is based and was also able to head back home to central Georgia, where a lot of my friends were hanging out. Got to see some people. Um, some big news came out for my family over the weekend. A uh, really personal thing that I want to celebrate on the show real quick. Uh, I want to say congratulations to my brother and his now fiance Maria. My older brother got engaged That's over awesome. uh, on uh, on Friday on the on the twenty second when I was at the Auburn basketball game uh, working it. Uh, I got a text right before it started. It was uh, the picture of her and she had the ring on and everything. And certainly. Uh, Something that I, I expected to happen at some point, but did not know was coming. So, uh, you know, major congratulations in order to Brock and Maria. But uh, yeah, so that that made for a really nice Christmas holiday, um, and everything following it was, uh, you know, ju- just as fun uh, because of it. So, uh, really, a great uh, a great little five day weekend there, and uh, glad to be back here. Absolutely, man! Congratulations to your brother and his uh, soon bride to be then. Uh, yeah, I, I hope that uh, everyone out there, again, as we said yesterday, had a great Christmas holiday. Hope you did as well, Brant. And, uh, again, the time off, certainly, uh, with family, certainly a great part of it. Uh, before we get into the bowl action, before we get into the NFL action today, I'm uh, going to go ahead and tell you about the new Auburn roster edition because there is one to tell you about from late last night. 
And it was definitely one, I, I don't want to say puzzling in terms of a, in a negative context, but just one of the more confusing or surprising, uh, just in a neutral way, uh, deals, because this is not someone that had been reported on. Uh, I had not really seen the guys, you know, I, I don't really follow the message boards. Maybe the message boards were going deep dive on, on guys, but had not really seen the recruiting guys talk about it, had not seen much. Uh, certainly in the tor- uh, in, in the form of written articles and that sort of thing. And all of a sudden, last night, Sam Jackson V has committed and signed uh, with Auburn. Who is Sam Jackson V? Why does that name sound sort of familiar to you? That's because he was the Cal quarterback this year, the guy that was banged up a little bit, trying to play through some injuries and stuff when, when Auburn played them. Sam Jackson V has signed to Auburn. You say, well, why is a quarterback that was playing a little bit Committing to Auburn, who's uh, they have a quarterback. Well, because he's not going to play quarterback. He was signed as a wide receiver last night. So again, Brad, again, I don't have a big positive or negative slant on it, but just a uh, a surprising off the radar addition to the roster last night. I I'm kind of like you. I don't really pay much attention to the message boards. I have friends that do though, and this seemed to come out of nowhere for everybody. I, I don't think that anybody really had this on their radar, like you said. And Sam Jackson V, um, really good athlete, as, as, especially as far as quarterbacks go, but played some wide receiver in high school. And the interesting story there is that he played at uh, Naperville Central High School in Chicago, which is where Peyton Thorne played high school football. So those two, uh, I think they played a year together. It was Jackson's, I think, sophomore year was Thorne's senior year. So they had one season together with Thorne throwing to him, and apparently he had some pretty good numbers. So... There's a little bit of a connection there, um, and so Sam Jackson the fifth. We we heard Hugh Freeze talk about how they probably were not going to take a portal quarterback. They felt good with Peyton uh, going into next year. So uh, with <laughs> bringing in a different quarterback, suddenly it felt a little weird. But it, yeah, the the graphic that Auburn social media posted announced him as a wide receiver, and like I said, he did play a little wide receiver in high school. So uh, just another addition. And, and look, we knew that. Auburn's wide receiver room is going to be super thin going into next season, and it's going to have a lot of true freshmen in it. It's going to have five true freshmen, and we expect all of those guys to contribute at least a little bit, and some of them to be probably the first option, but you needed some older guys in that room, and I think that's what this does. Even though Sam Jackson is a guy who has played quarterback for his entire college career, he started at TCU and then transferred to Cal and is now transferring to Auburn. He's been a quarterback the whole way, uh, but a guy who has some wide receiver experience and has experience playing college football, even if they doesn't, even if he does not have experience playing wide receiver in college football, I think that it's a, a good thing to get an older guy in that room. Look, I'm going to approach this as I would an NFL team kind of taking a flyer on somebody in free agency. Just I feel the need to relate it more with how we do the transfer portal. We know how fluid uh the the nil money runs and that sort of thing how big of a part of it so i almost look at this and compare it to an nfl team that says taking that flyer on that track star that never really played football or an nfl team taking an undrafted guy from a small school to see if he's if he's got a a surprising skill set that people didn't realize would translate I see this as that because of what you mentioned with playing with Peyton Thorne a little bit in high school. Obviously, this is a guy that did want to play quarterback coming out of high school. That's why he became a quarterback when he went to Cal, did not stay as a wide receiver. But obviously, at this point in his process, 
uh, you know, he is making the determination that the quarterback thing is not really working out for me at the college level. I'm ready to try whatever I can to make myself better and see if there's a way I can play another level of football as a wide receiver because it's certainly not going to happen as a quarterback. And from Auburn's point of view, this is somebody that may or may not factor in at all. Uh, to your team but it's somebody that you don't have to promise that to yeah because if you are trying to get someone that's big time that's a lot of money to spend after you just spend a lot of money on the high school receivers uh and if they're a veteran you're going to want to give them every single opportunity to play a lot whereas again if all things are equal you'd rather really play your young guys and start to get them going and incorporate with the incredibly high ceilings that they have and the and the hopes and expectations that they'll be some of the best receivers you ever had one day and so you're taking a guy that you don't have to promise playing time to you don't have to promise a bunch of nil resource to and a guy that yeah he might he might play two snaps next year <laughs> uh but if he's any good whatsoever you you kind of got a diamond in the rough because you're hoping for the element of he's worked with peyton thorne before in the past there's going to be a comfort level there look he might be a gadget guy where you want to do a new sort of wildcat formation or you want to do some sort of trick play it might do it three times all year but you might have a play where you have the jet sweep and then wait a minute he's going to chunk the thing because he's used to be a quarterback too so i think that this is just a very much a let's take a flyer on somebody that might help us in one particular way, one particular instance, that there's not a lot of resource that they have to put into them. But certainly a very interesting selection. I also wonder aloud, and this is just my pure speculation, that if this would have happened in the universe in which Robbie Ashford decides to move to mm. wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, because obviously he is not. He is he is transferring out of here, and, and he wants to play quarterback. He has every right to do that. However, I wonder if Auburn did kind of talk to him a little bit about, well, it, it, we, we still would love to take advantage of your athleticism. Uh, what about moving a wide receiver? He then maybe declines and then goes in the portal. But you know, if he does make that decision, to stay at wide receiver, then maybe that's the same up the same alley. A guy that's a, a more of an athlete than a than a passer, somebody that would be more of a gadget than a constant weapon. And so I wonder if that made any any sort of difference there. Uh, but again, this is just an interesting one because again, I could see him playing nothing at all next year, or I could see him being, oh, you know, that got a little something out of that. Uh, so just again, kind of a decision there. And, and Auburn's now got two transfer receivers, uh, Robert Lewis being the first from Georgia State, the guy that had nearly 900 yards uh, with the Panthers this past year. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think that it is kind of the Robbie Ashford replacement. You need a, a slot receiver, a guy, good athlete, played quarterback. You want to take advantage of the athleticism. I think I think that every point that you said was right. Um, and and I, I, like you said, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know if Sam Jackson's going to play at all. But I, like you said, it, probably relatively cheap to get him out of the portal. You're saying, hey, come here. We can help you play big time football. We can. If you're a guy that can go, you will get on a national stage here. So I think that Sam Jackson, if nothing else, is just coming. Uh, I mean, to to where his high school quarterback plays. Yeah. Uh, so it's you know good good for him. Probably you know? a good relationship there, and again, a team that 
uh, is w- very different from the team he played for, but also somebody that they did play, and he will play Cal next year. So uh, that might be the game they target to have the trick play and yeah. see if they do it. I don't know. but uh, So, yeah, the news last night, Auburn does add its second wide receiver transfer the year in the form of quarterback Sam Jackson the fifth out of Cal who played again roughly about half the year for them this season at quarterback we're going to go ahead and head to our first time out of the show when we come back we'll start some conversation about the bowl season as it continues also we'll get to the orthopedic clinic phone line you're listening to the Thursday edition of sports call on Tiger 95.9 Attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is. What? My name is. My name is. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call on Soccer 95.9. Ryan Lavoy and Brent Dontry with you here on this Thursday. Again, coming up a little bit later in the show, we'll get to some of these bowl matchups going on right now and that went on last night. We'll also get to the National Football League Week 17 starting tonight with the Browns and the Jets. So we'll get to the NFL a little bit later too, but we also want to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, and that's where we'll go right now. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free. one tiger 9 First up on the show today, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? I'm doing fine, guys. Uh, it's good to hear your voice as always. And Brent, welcome back, and I uh, uh, hope you had a Merry Christmas. Thank you, sir. I did. Merry Christmas to you. All right, thank you. Okay, let's get to it, guys. You know, what happened last night when I was on the uh, Internet at uh, Auburn Undercover, 247 Sports, and I saw what you just talked about, uh, I put that under the category of you just can't make this stuff up. I said, oh, I mean, this guy is now going to be a wide receiver who actually played against us in the Cal game this season. And now he's with us, right, guys? Yes, sir. Yeah, he played in that game. He was, again, battling some injuries throughout the year and at that time as well. He did not play the whole season, but he did play that game. And uh, we, we certainly noted his athleticism, but not the best passer. And uh, apparently he is changing positions. What do you make of this, guys? Because, you know, why would he have chosen Auburn? I mean, he could have stayed uh, with some other, uh, well, now no longer existing Pac-12 uh, team areas, Arizona, Arizona State, uh, Colorado. What do you think led to him coming to Auburn? 
Well, I, I do think the Peyton Thorn piece has Thorn? to, yeah, has to be a, a, a big part of it. I mean, he does have that relationship. But if you think about the last time he played that position, it, you know, he was working with Peyton Thorn and that sort of thing in high school. Uh, and I think that probably playing against one another, you know, he, I'm sure they they talked a little bit in the lead up and talked throughout the year. And so I think that probably Peyton had a, a pretty big role in that. Otherwise, I mean, I I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell you it is about interest from other teams and who offers and and, and all that sort of thing, but uh, I definitely think the Peyton Thorne stuff there is is the is the big point. Yeah, I didn't think we were hurting for receivers, uh, considering what uh, Freeze did, you know, in the commitments from uh, some top-notch people. At least four new people, uh, four stars and five stars, right? I just didn't think we needed any more receivers. Well, in, in numbers, they do. They they may not. They may or may not need more production level guys next year. But just because you have five or six good ones doesn't mean you don't still have others on the roster. I mean, you're going to carry at least ten or so receivers, eleven receivers, and with how many guys are leaving the program, some of which had to anyway. Some guys were out of eligibility, but then another three or four in the transfer portal like Javarius Johnson and like uh, Malcolm Johnson Jr., for instance. you know, I mean, they, they do have to get some numbers in there too because, again, they had four guys alone go to the portal, not counting like Nick Mardner and a couple others that uh, that had to, that were out of eligibility. So uh, they're, they're really replacing, I think, six or seven uh, scholarship spots at wide receiver. So even with the four, they needed a couple. And then even – and they could still add Ryan Williams for sure, but – uh, they they definitely had some room there in the depth chart, even even if it's a guy that's not necessarily going to contribute much. So, from well, here, there's never there's never too many, right? Yeah, not really, not at, not at the wide receiver position. So we're not hurting uh, with Auburn's NIL cap, right? No, I I think that was pretty clear that that were they weren't hurting as they flipped all these uh, these big time prospects. Okay, speaking of hurting. Uh, are there any remaining starters going to be playing in the bowl game for Florida State? At this point, it doesn't feel like it. If you want me to go down the list of guys that are not playing, no, I, I mean, can. The latest count I had was 19. Yeah, I mean, it was like their top uh, three running backs, obviously their quarterback that they would have played, Keon Coleman, their top wide receiver. It was it was more offense than defense, but, yeah, I mean, they they're only going to have about half their starters, if that. Oh, realistically, guys. I mean, do you see any plausible uh, chance at all for Florida State to even make this competitive? Uh, I, I think it'd have to be a very goofy type of game. I know Georgia will have a few players sitting out too, but I, you know, I, I thought that they were probably going to beat them fairly easily anyway, uh, provided that they are motivated. So it would take a combination of not being interested in the game and having a lot of weird deflections and turnovers happen so i'll never say never but no my my educated guess is that georgia will will win this game pretty easily when do you expect that uh kirby will put in his third and fourth string players at what point uh, I, I i guess they could do it a little bit earlier especially if they're up and it's a bowl game but uh i i'm i'm sure they'll have to mix some in pretty early just because of depth because some of those positions their third string guys are now their second string guys and so on and so forth but i uh, i i still think that they are going to try to win the game so if it is still close in the fourth quarter or third quarter then they're gonna keep leaving their their top guys in there well okay i mean i really can't imagine uh close 
I mean, unless uh, I expect them to win by at least three touchdowns, if not more. Yeah, I think the line is, was 19 yesterday. I'm not sure if it's changed it's today. 19 now? I haven't yep. looked. It's 17 and a half at one point. Yeah, it was 19 yesterday when I asked the guys. So, yeah, no, the, the thought is that they're going to win by at least three scores. Okay. All right, moving on to the NFL. On this day, guys, useless information, but it's the NFL History uh, Channel. They, on this day, 1975, a uh, comment was made by um, a pretty darn good quarterback, uh, both in college and in the NFL, uh, who now has been uh, attributed uh, to this uh, quite often made uh, phrase when an and unbelievable catch is made uh, as a last attempt to, to win a game. Uh, Hail Mary, in fact. Uh, it was said on this day by who? Roger Staubach. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. He, Yeah, they were playing. Uh, Dallas Cowboys were playing. The Minnesota Vikings. I remember this game. Yes, I was alive. Uh, and the, the, the game uh, was won by Dallas at the last minute last seconds, really. It was a 50-yard touchdown pass to Drew Pearson. I don't know if you uh, know of him, but he was one of the better receivers yeah. in the NFL at that time. 17-14, to 14, and after the game was over, they asked him about the play, and he said it was a Hail Mary. He called it that. Why? He says it was a play, he says, quote, you hit one in a hundred times if you're lucky. I guess it's a Hail Mary pass because you throw it up and pray he catches it. So yeah. There we go. Hail Mary. All right. Uh, so that's all I got for you guys today. Um, I know the game, uh, we, well, to me, it's Auburn Sports Day come Saturday. Yes, sir. Is the line still seven? Uh, last time I checked, I'll double check again real quick. But yeah, it was seven as of yesterday. And uh, as of today, well, it's six and a half now. Six and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. Somebody's uh, taking the other side. Uh, what about the upcoming game uh, Saturday? Do you think. Uh, Coach Pearl got the attention of the guys after the sloppy uh, second half that they were playing. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm sure that he has uh, he has definitely put out there the message that he wants to, and I think the guys, I, I think having this time off, and uh, I, I think they're going to just enjoy being back out on the court since it's been one game in the last what 13 days or something like that, 12 days. By the time they they suit back up, I, I think they'll be a little bit more full of energy. Uh, and and a certainly and and look, Chattanooga is still a team that Auburn needs to beat easily. But Chattanooga's got more acumen than Alabama State, that's for sure. So Chattanooga will present some guards that Auburn will need to do a good job defensively against. And I I think that they will be uh, that they they should be more locked in. What would you make Auburn uh, favored by if you were making the line? Oh, uh, I know Chattanooga's eight and four in the year. I'm not entirely sure what all those eight are I, I don't think that they've risen up and beaten anyone big although i do think they beat louisville but louisville's pretty pretty damn terrible uh <laughs> under kenny Payne. uh probably in the mid to upper teens if i had to guess something in the 16 17 range something in there oh okay i thought uh, you might say like 2021 20, no, again, because I think Chattanooga is probably destined for a decent year there in the SoCon. I, th- I think they're going to be one of the, the three or four teams that might be vying for it at the end. And uh, again, they, they've lost some to some bad teams, but they are capable of scoring. Uh, you know, again, you go into Louisville and win. That, that's it's it's pretty close to nothing with how bad Louisville is. But I, I would still err on the side of it's at least something. Uh, but but yeah no I mean seventeen eighteen points is still going to be a respectable 
respectable total. They, you don't blow everyone out, and maybe Auburn uh, covers it. Of course, they they can they can do that, but uh, you know, again, given how things can finish and how. Sometimes you you know you don't play your best for the entire forty minutes. Then I, I I'll lean to the upper teens. Okay, and finally, guys, uh, my son's a big Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes uh, follower and, and does uh, loves them. So I, I saw a game Sunday. I said, "Wow, how does a team at home who the line was they were favored by ten and a half points play so darn badly?" And Mahomes is uh, on every snap running for his life against a six and eight. Oakland Raiders team. Guys, uh, explain that to me real quickly. I know there's parity in the NFL, but really at home, you're struggling and you lose the game outright? Well, I mean, I think people have a kind of underestimated Kansas City's problems offensively. Uh, and and certainly they have really, in my opinion, uh, been bordering on poor offensively this year. Uh, certainly, you're, comp- pretty, you're, you're being gentle. You're being kind. <laughs> Uh, atrocious. Yeah, I mean, so when you underestimate that, and then when you score for the other team, Kansas City's defense was still great in that one. Aiden O'Connell did not have a pass yard after the first quarter. So, I know, but two touchdowns in seven seconds. Right. I mean, again, and that's just the kind of all-time funky stuff that can happen in, in sports. It's why they do it. And so, yeah, I mean, that's clearly an upset. I still think Kansas City is better than Las Vegas, but... I mean, when you do something that uh, gooberish, uh, then you're going to open yourself up to losing a game you shouldn't have lost. Yeah, yeah I'm saying, okay, is it the receivers? Because my son says that the receivers are horrible. Uh, and I said, well, you might say that for Auburn, but you know, these are NFL players. You know, they can't be horrible. Uh, and you know, the, the stats told you uh, if you looked at them. Um, he, I think it was only 50 or less than 50%. The quarterback for the Oakland Raiders, he didn't do anything outstanding. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Vegas, it was not Vegas's offense. It was Kansas City that scored for, for Las Vegas. And I, I, as far as the receivers, I mean, they, they are uh, – as far as guys that actually play, I mean, that, that's that's about as, as bad as it gets in the NFL. It's, it's a bad group. Um, they've gotten a little bit uh, as of late out of, uh, I believe, uh, Rice – but I mean, guys like Kadarius Tony should not be playing multiple snaps for you on offense. Just to be quite honest with you, Kadarius Tony's not a starting NFL wide receiver, and and I think also people don't realize that uh, Travis Kelsey is aging a little bit. He's not quite the at the prime of his career anymore. He's he's faded just a little bit. He's still really good. It's not like he's not useful. He's very useful still, but he's not the best version of himself anymore. Uh, as he's getting in his mid 30s, so uh, I think they were were going to rely too much on on him. I think they were going to rely uh, too much on uh, just the fact that Mahomes is is awesome and, and try and get him uh, so much. But uh, look again, other than Rice, who's uh, who's having a nice little season, they they don't have a bunch of starting NFL receivers. They don't. What kind of odds do you give them making to the Super Bowl? Uh, I think that they are uh, they're pretty low odds. It's not zero, and it's they, I, I don't see them beating Baltimore. If, if anything else, like they might make it to the AFC Championship game. If they do, I don't see them making it past the Ravens. Yeah, I, I, I think that the Ravens are the clear front runner in the AFC. I also think that Kansas City would have a problem against Buffalo if they continue to win. Mm. 
Uh, and then I, I don't know if I trust the Dolphins. So I, I, I think that there's two or three options for you. Of course, the way Kansas City is playing right now, they could lose to any of those teams and more. But, uh, you know, I, I think that they still, depending on their path, as Grant said, I, I, don't, I don't think they're just going to lose their very first playoff game. But we'll see. Okay, guys, thanks for your time as always. And I appreciate all your thoughtful comments. I'm still waiting. Hey, I'm calling you out, guys. I haven't heard from Anthony. You know, you got a big game coming up, Anthony, right? Haven't heard from you. Uh, Luke, same thing there. Keith, where are you guys? Okay, so uh, I'm not going to be in Central Portal, so you can take that and you can write it down. Take it to the bank. Uh, I'm glad to see that you guys are not going to Transfer Portal, uh, so that's uh, a relief to, to me. So we'll do this again tomorrow, guys. Until then, War Eagles. War Eagles, Steve, appreciate that phone call. That is Retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. If you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, tiger 9 We're going to take this time out. Back with more sports call right after this. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Or, if you're listening after the fact, on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Dontry with you here on this Thursday. Going to get into some bowl game action now. Going to preview what's ahead in the next 24 hours or so, what happened last night. Recap that. Tomorrow is when we're going to spend pretty much the whole show on Auburn's game on the playoff, the New Year's Six, all that sort of thing. As again, all of this will be happening between now and 2024 on Tuesday when we, we come back on air. So uh, today and tomorrow the, the last few opportunities to talk about all this stuff. And we talked about some bowl games yesterday with Tom and Brooks. It was their last show of the year. Uh, but definitely going to be talking about it a lot these next two days. Of course, we'll, we'll get into some NFL a little bit later today as well. Uh, before we do any of that, though, we do want to remind you about our Sports Call survey. It is currently available. Uh, all the links are on social media, uh, at Sports Call AU on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Sports Call Auburn, also available on the Tiger.fm website. And again, it's a very brief survey. It's only nine questions, eight of them multiple choice. And we just want to hear from you about how we are doing 
how we can improve in 2024. They're very generic questions, except for the last one, which you can give more complete comments if you would like, either positive or negative. Uh, we appreciate any and all feedback. So, again, that will be open for a couple more weeks, and we would really like you to take a part of that uh, if you feel uh, so inclined. All right, so we're going through bowl games right now. And last night we had a few uh, that were, were interesting. That again, this stretch, there's a bowl game, and it's just it's just beautiful right now. <laughs> it's just now. a lot of football. It, it is. It, one per time slot pretty much for today, tomorrow, Saturday, and then on Monday. And then there's a couple overlapping uh, time slots there. But you wake up in the morning, uh, you eat some breakfast, here comes some football in the 10 or 11 o'clock hour. Uh, you got some lunchtime football, you got – early evening football and night football. I mean, again, it's just it's beautiful football, and I'm cherishing it because after about approximately 20 more games, it's going to be gone until the end of August of next year. And so uh, just trying to cherish what we have left. Last night, we did see a couple interesting results. It was the Louisville and USC game in the Holiday Bowl and Texas A&M and Oklahoma State in the Texas Bowl. I had mentioned that I really wanted to see Texas A&M quarterback Jalen Henderson. He was the lefty. He finished the season for A&M, played pretty well against LSU, threw for nearly 300 yards, felt like he might be their their future. He might be. I don't know. We'll we'll see how all the rosters shake out uh, and everything after the spring. And he was starting, and he played, and he was 100% on his passes. On, on his pass because he only played one play before sustaining some sort of arm or shoulder injury, fell awkwardly as he was getting hit, making a, a throw on the run. And so they had to put in Marcel Reed, who was originally, I guess, supposed to be their fourth stringer this year, but he was a, a four-star freshman quarterback. He came in, he chucked it around a little bit, 20 of 33, 361, no touchdowns and a pick, and then ran 10 times, 29 yards and a touchdown. So he had some acumen to him, but I was very disappointed in that. That was very unfortunate. It's kind of the cautionary tale why some guys opt out, by the way. Got hurt in the very first play. So you had Oklahoma State win there. And then what about USC's backup throwing all the touchdowns against Louisville? Dude, that, that was insane. That, the performance from that kid whose name escapes me right now. Uh, but but has Lincoln Riley ever coached a bad quarterback? I don't think so. It's like, it, everywhere he goes, I don't know how good that defense is going to be. It's probably going to be really bad. But the quarterback is going to put up numbers. They are going to score a ton of points, put up a ton of yardage. And, and you know, just how consistently he produces good quarterbacks is so impressive. And it looks like they've got their guy for next year. Yeah, so Miller Moss was his name. 23 yeah. of 33, 372, six touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Have mercy. And look, I, I think you're right. Again, I'm sorry. I I, I kind of br- have broken down here, and now that we're in the off season, kind of in the off season, we're in the portal season. I'm just, I'm just combining portal and NFL thinking now <laughs> at this point. But if I'm, if I'm using resources at USC, like yeah, I, I don't want to get like a two star quarterback, but I don't need to go spend a million plus in the portal. Give me like a generic, top, I say generic, but like a top ten or twelve quarterback in a class. Know that I'm Lincoln Riley and I'm going to coach him well and allocate that resource to defense 
and defense and defense and a little offensive line and then some defense. Please, please give me somebody who can make a tackle. Yeah, that be, USC just desperately needs that. Because I, I'll tell you what was interesting. It was just an, it was an eye test thing. I, I have to just describe the eye test thing. I, I've watched bits and pieces of pretty much every single bowl game that's happened. Uh, at least half of them I've seen about half the game of. And when I watched, even though Louisville scored 28, like on the surface, that's not a lot. They had 370 yards. It's not a lot. Like, I get it. But just watching USC tackle, it was never actually the first guy that made the tackle, unless it was in the backfield with a defensive lineman. It was always the first guy missed, and then the second guy would tackle, and he'd hang on, and they kind of drag him for a couple yards. Uh, Plummer, for instance... They had someone wide open on fourth and five or six or whatever it was at the end last night, down two touchdowns with four or five minutes left. Guy was wide open. The plumber threw it too high. The guy kind of lost his footing trying to go up and catch it, and so he fell down two yards short of the first down when he actually would have scored. It was like a, it was from like the 20-yard line would have scored. And so it was like even in that where it's like, oh, 28 points, 370 yards, I could live with that. And you certainly would on a day-to-day basis, but Louisville did the absolute least with the opportunity that they had. And you can just watch USC. They just don't tackle well. They're not in good spots. They have to have three people there if they actually want to get the guy on the ground quickly. And so just just trust your offensive acumen and your ability to develop offensively and, and go, again, focus on defense. I guess I can, I can segue this and try and go figure out what they recruited this year. Mm. But if I look at this in 30 seconds, Brent, and it's not like four of the top six players of defense, <laughs> then they're not doing a good enough job there. They're not allocating it the right way. Yeah, they, they desperately need to rebuild that entire roster. And I, I know they've hired a new defensive coordinator. They fired Alex Grinch. I think that's a good idea. I don't, know who, I don't remember who their new DC is. I'll be honest. I don't know if they've made that hire yet. But it feels like the kind of thing where – Crap, I, you could see Will Muschamp going and doing a good <laughs> job there. Like Kevin Steele. I'm trying to think of just like, who are defensive coordinators that have worked for offensive head coaches and done a really good job? And my mind immediately goes to Kevin Steele. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think he's pretty comfy at Alabama right now, but I have to wonder if that phone call was made. Anyway, you've got USC's recruiting class. Tell me about it. Uh, so, no five stars in the class. They were actually a little low for what I would thought Lincoln Riley, 18th this year. That's not, mm. not ideal, mm. uh, especially with. I'll get into that in a second. Um, it's a mixed bag. It's not decisive <laughs> enough for me. The top two players are offensive players, mm. uh, which is interesting because one's from <laughs> Polar. I, I don't know why this strikes me as funny, but one's from Los Angeles. Okay. Makes one's sense. from Clearwater, Florida. All right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a national brand. It is. Uh, and then they have a DB and an edge. That's good. Then they have a tight end, linebacker, DL, tight end. Safety linebacker DL it gets much better there. Interior okay. offensive so they, line. So they so, they have bulked up on the defense, right. even if they don't have anything right. like any like major players. Yeah, and those were all their four stars. They had ten four star okay. players. So yeah, they okay. had about they had I think five and five, uh, and uh, three of the top five were all <laughs> clearly players. a focus. Yeah. yeah, it was it was pretty balanced. But I would have argued just make it imbalanced for a class and just <laughs> go ahead and make eight of those ten top guys defensive guys if you can. But as we get into, uh. That's probably a tough thing for them to recruit because they're going to say, well, history says you're not getting me in the NFL if I'm a defensive player. And I can go to a bunch of other schools. I, it doesn't even have to be SEC schools. I go to Texas and feel better about my <laughs> chances, although that's going to be an SEC school. 
Or, heck, I, I just go to Washington. Washington spits out a bunch of front seven guys. The Bucks have like three of them. I, 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 know, I know that they're out there. Uh, and so you, ha- you have to, once you establish reputation, sometimes recruit against yourself a little bit and say, eh, but, you know, we hired a different guy and we're going to care more and you're going to help <laughs> us and, and that sort of thing. So uh, nice win for USC. Um, certainly gets them not feeling – I mean, it's still pretty negative year overall. You won eight games with Caleb Williams, even with the bowl win. So, I mean, it's still a disappointing year. But uh, at least something to feel good about with a backup, slinging it around. And, again, the knowledge that that losing Caleb Williams does not necessarily mean that your offense is going to start to go in the tank. And, uh, so, so they get that win. The A&M and Oklahoma State, obviously, again, Elko's not at A&M yet. Uh, he was getting interviewed in the in the booth, though. Competitive game, 31-23. Obviously, Ollie Gordon was the uh, Doak Walker candidate there from Oklahoma State that ran for over 100 yards in the game. A&M was playing, I think, with about uh, a third of their – I think they said three starters on defense from this year. They they got portaled to death, which will happen when you fire a head coach. Yeah. Uh, The good news for them is that, again, they did enough recruiting the last three or four years that – they still had some four-star guys, even a five-star guy or two that had been back up. So they were not completely ravished there. But so Oklahoma State delivers a, a victory there, and that was the first SEC team to play in a bowl game at 31-23 um, uh, for the A&M loss there. And, of course, we're going to get going every single day uh, with, with SEC games from, from this point forward, uh, with the exception of today. Today's the last there's not an SEC team playing. Uh, right now, we, we earlier today we saw Boston College beat SMU. That was another rain game. Been a lot of rain games. Yeah, I think it was the App State Miami of Ohio game in Orlando. I think that was the matchup. That was just a monsoon soon on opening Saturday. We saw uh, the Tulane game yesterday was a monsoon raining again in the uh, Northeast uh, these last couple of days, and so uh, it rained a bunch at uh, Fenway. You, by the way, you like Fenway and, and uh, Yankee Stadium playing host the bowl games? <laughs> I think they're interesting. I, I think it's a cool thing to do, especially since like we've got a little bit before baseball season starts, so you can't just say that like, oh, they're tearing up the field. You know, I I think it's cool. I, I think it's a fun place to play. Well, I, I think that anytime I think I, I've I've gone on a tirade against uh, neutral site games before. I think conference championships, bowl games, and and national title contention type games. I think that's okay to play on a neutral site. And I think when you have an interesting venue to play as a neutral site, I think you take that opportunity. What was it? There was a couple of years ago that somebody, two teams played basketball on an aircraft carrier, something uh, like that. North Carolina, Michigan State in like 2012. And they might have yeah. done one more recently than that, but first time they did it, there was yeah. Yeah, that game. Yeah. I think stuff like that is kind of cool. When you, when you have um, – when you have unusual venues, I think that's an interesting thing to do. Yeah, and I'm with you too there. Like it just the neutral site stuff is synonymous with all things after the regular season, and yeah. uh, that's kind of your reward and destinations and that sort of stuff for for having productive seasons. You do cooler things, you go to different places and that sort of thing. But in the beginning of the year, because we don't know how much it may or may not mean, it's a little bit harder to desire that i guess because each team's going to want the ability to have their home crowd and or or have a home field advantage for the home team that sort of thing 
Uh, but but yeah, no, I, I I like this kind of stuff personally. Uh, if this was for the national title, and I saw <laughs> Monument Park out out there yeah. on the sideline, like yeah, probably not. Uh, but when you're in the, you're kind of getting into these middle tier bowls now, as you, right. you include the Power Five and all of that. You know, I, I think that's a a, per, a a fine way to spice things up a little bit. So uh, I enjoy the crossover a little bit. And as you said, it's not baseball season, so it's not like we're having to you know make it back into baseball the next day or the week before that sort of thing. So uh, I, I like them for sure. That's the game that's going on right now. That's Rutgers and Miami. Uh, twenty-one seventeen is that one, but uh, the two other games today: NC State, number eighteen in the country, number twenty-five, Kansas State, four forty-five. That is the Pop Tarts Bowl. Yes, and then <laughs> and then the eight fifteen game tonight is a top fifteen matchup: is number fourteen Arizona and number twelve Oklahoma. Do either of these games stand out to you? Uh, potential for Arizona to get to ten wins and finish in the top ten. Who saw that coming? Uh, what what a year it's been for Oklahoma for Arizona. I believe their starting quarterback has entered the portal. But you can also say the same thing about Oklahoma. So I think it'll be an interesting matchup between two good teams, even if they don't have their starting quarterbacks. And anything called the Pop Tarts Bowl, I'm going to watch it. So I I think that I'm interested in both of these games for sure. We got a couple. Have, of you, have we have we talked about the trophy on I this show? I mentioned it yesterday, but we can mention it again for those that don't know. The top of the trophy is basically functioning like a toaster and so sticking out of the top of it you can put two actual pop tarts yeah to which i just want to know who gets to eat them the, who would i mean i want to eat them yeah as, as like me hopefully but uh, i wonder if it functions like as an actual toaster like can you plug the trophy in and then <laughs> like heat up your pop tarts i like surely not but uh, what if you yeah. could gotta be cool uh that would be cool I do like when these – look, as much as I can't stand mayonnaise, <laughs> I, I think it's objectively hilarious that a coach gets dumped with, with mayonnaise. Oh, it's on. awesome. I, and what is it, the, the famous Idaho potato bowl? They yep. dump out a, a cooler of fries on the winning head yep. coach. That's great. Not potatoes because those might hurt a little bit. <laughs> those are heavy. Those are heavy. Several pound potato or a couple pound potatoes on there. Uh, I, I Again, I think it's all apart. This, to me, is – college football in a lot of ways and so that's why i'm all supportive of all these me personally i love when there's always on social media the here's your birthday your 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 month of year your day and then your likes or something and this is what your bowl game's called and you get like <laughs> the famous pizza bowl in you know anchorage alaska somehow <laughs> or something. because uh, i i'll tell you what we're talking about eating pop tarts if you gave, if you promised like chicken wings to the winner, winning team, oh man, that'll motivate some folks. It, yeah, yeah. that motivate You'll get me. Get some hard fighting soldiers on yeah. that football field. Everybody gets a big, big thing of wings if they win. Now that's going to get kind of expensive because wings are getting expensive, and the big boys up front can eat a lot of them. I'm sure. Does, does does Buffalo Wild Wings sponsor a bowl? They used that, to. That feels like a that feels like a perfect opportunity. There, there used to be like a Buffalo Wild Wings bowl, and then I, I, I think that probably the moment came where they were like, "Do we promise free wings yeah. to people?" <laughs> like, eh, probably not for 80, 80 players plus staff and that sort of thing. But I, I'm all for some of this kind of stuff. Uh, you're right. I am looking forward to Arizona, Oklahoma. Uh, I think that 
it's very relevant to see what Oklahoma is without Dylan Gabriel. That's going to be, in a way, what they're like next year. Obviously, a lot more with the roster will change than that. But, look, their quarterback's not going to be Gabriel. So if you think Gabriel made them what they were this year, then, well, he's not going to be part of their equation in the SEC next year. So we'll see how they do without him. And then for Arizona, uh, yeah, that was a, a shockingly good year, their first good year in quite some time, a good way to propel themselves into, what, the uh, the Big 12 and I mean, again, the ball game will change. Like that game, this time, kind of game. If this were to happen in a regular season, this would be the kind of game that's for a playoff spot next year. It's twelve versus fourteen. I mean, so these are the ty- that's the type of teams. Again, they're not going to all play with their players because they got portal guys. Yeah. But that's the type of game that would be kind of on the periphery of getting in or getting out of the twelve team playoffs. So again, that's that definitely interests me. We are out of time for hour number one coming up. In the next couple hours of the show, we'll do a little bit more on bowl season with the games soon to come. And we'll also talk a lot about NFL Week 17, which gets going tonight. Alongside of Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. One hour is complete. We'll be back after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy and Brent Dontry with you here on this Thursday. That will also be the setup for the show Tomorrow, as our last two shows of 2023, tomorrow we will reveal uh, Sports Call's Player of the Year, not just of the week, but of the year. So that'll be something we do at the end, and we'll take a few look backs on this full year in the sports world and in Sports Call. And on tomorrow's show, we'll be doing, of course, a lot of preview for Auburn as football and basketball on Saturday. Be a big, uh, big day for the Tigers. And then also the playoff will be happening on Monday, January 1st. We will not have a show Monday, January 1st, so we'll have to preview that as well. So tomorrow will be a very busy show. If you want to be a part of today's show or tomorrow's show when the time comes, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join the conversation. On the other side of that break, we were talking about some college football ball games and about the games going on today. 
uh, including two top 25 matchups coming up starting in about 40 minutes or so with Kansas State, NC State, and then Arizona and Oklahoma later tonight. And we should go ahead and mention, because this will happen before we get on air tomorrow, that there will be a couple games well underway or even concluding tomorrow at 11 a.m. Another SEC team in action. Second one of the year will be number 22, Clemson, taking on Kentucky. Clemson has won a few in a row. They played a little bit better down the stretch there. And then another top 25 matchup at 1 o'clock. It's the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Let's go. Number 19, Oregon State. Number 16, Notre Dame. Two teams not in power conferences by the time the game ends. I love goofy names from corporate sponsors. Um, like we're watching, we're watching the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. That I understand that's a very legitimate company. Bad Boy Mowers in front of in front of Pinstripe Bowl is very funny to me. And then I I like that it's not the Frosted Flakes Bowl. It's the Tony the Tiger Bowl. Right. Or the Tony the Tiger, whatever it is, bowl. I, yep. I, Sun Bowl. I, yeah, the Sun Bowl. Thank you. Uh, I, I think that that's a uh, that's very cute. It's very <laughs> cute that it's not the Frosted Flakes Sun Bowl. It's the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. So I'm imagining having for all these bowl games to dump something on the head coach <laughs> that is bowl game related. Some of these would be a little little tough though. Because the one tomorrow morning, Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. No oh boy, <laughs> we're not we're, we're we're not throwing a bunch of gators on the head coach. So we're just gonna put someone's <laughs> taxes on that coach instead. It's either it's either a a, a large stack of loose W twos, <laughs> or a bunch of like little foam alligators. It's uh-huh. one of the two. Uh, Tony Tiger Sun Bowl, you do the plush tigers or could, could do the plush tigers. You, could just do frosted flakes. Just could do just the lean cereal. into it. Yeah. yeah. Just, just just throw a bunch of cereal on there. Uh AutoZone Liberty Bowl. I, oh boy. I oh boy. There, there's not a whole lot of car parts that like in a large amount are safe to dump on your head. <laughs> I'm trying to think like I don't know, screws. I just like I I don't know, man. But that one were kind of good Nuts in your cotton bowl classic. Yeah. Not going to do the tires, but... <laughs> tires are heavy, man. That would hurt. <laughs> yeah. this, is a, this is one of the dumber conversations I we've know. had, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. <laughs> just, how about Auburn's <laughs> Transperfect Music City Bowl? So the trans, so Transperfect, we actually looked this up because I didn't know what Transperfect was. Uh, they do... It's like, a, it's like a translation software. So I don't, I don't know what you... Like computer chips, maybe. Oh. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think outside the box here. Yeah, or maybe yeah, like maybe maybe we do more loose leaf paper like with the W twos, but it's in a bunch of different languages. Yeah, with maybe 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 song notes on there too. Maybe mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Oh, because yeah. it's a Music City yeah. Bowl. Yeah, there's where you need to do your chicken wing thing. Is in Nashville. Yeah, now dump some hot chicken on them. Yeah, they, I, I do think Ooh. that they had like a, a hot chicken eating contest they last, did, night. last yeah, night. That Auburn came out uh, victorious. They, of course they did. They needed to assert assert that big assert, boy dominance. Assert dominance. That's what they're going to try to do on the field. They're going to try to run the football on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, yes, and I would have loved to have been part of that. That's. <laughs> I would have. Uh, I think it was you had three minutes, and it was National Hot Tenders. I mean, there's ah. just. Look, you don't have much time, and look, I'll admit I'm not a fast eater. I like to enjoy yeah. uh, the reason I'm... Take it in a little yeah. bit. Uh, but, man, that would have been a... Uh, oh. Well, you know what? we got to figure out where to get Nashville hot chicken for a wacky Wednesday. Yeah. It's the we need, well, I, I know that KFC did, like, a Nashville thing, but, like, I, I love KFC. <sighs> yeah. all, all, all love and respect to Kentucky Fried Chicken. I love the Colonel forever. 
there's something to like it is theaters, it's yeah. it's not it's not nashville yeah. it's not hot chicken from nashville i finally you know? i finally figured that out too. i miss princes um i finally figured that out because you know i go to a bunch of wing places around here and <laughs> several of them have nashville hot and i'll sample those and sometimes the chicken sandwiches etc but just having the the nashville hot chicken that we had at the nashville sounds game yeah. Just and knowing that that's that's probably like a a B tier. Yeah. Well, that's probably not even still the absolute nationalist of nationalist hot chicken. <laughs> like that that kind of made me realize like yeah, a bunch of fraudulent activity <laughs> going on with calling some it's, of this Nashville hot. It's fast food. Yeah. It's like ah, we we dumped some honey and hot sauce on it. Yeah. So and that's it's not, not me saying hot. I don't. That, that's that's you know that's not me saying that some of this is not good. Some of it is good, but I, it's just it's not the authentic. It's yeah. just not, and it and it's and it's not particularly close in, in some instances. So uh, I would have loved to have been a part of that. That would have been my favorite bowl activity. <laughs> uh, I don't know what else they'll have bowl activity wise here in the next couple of days, but I would have been I would have been happy as a lark uh, just off of that. But yeah, the bowl games tomorrow again: Clemson, Kentucky, and the Gator Bowl, Oregon State, Notre Dame. That's a one o'clock game. While we're on air, Memphis and Iowa State and the Liberty Bowl. And then you got do have the first New Year's Six game tomorrow with Missouri and Ohio State. Uh, so we'll kind of finish off with, with, with that grouping of games before we head to some NFL in a little bit. Again, very surprising to see Missouri in a New Year's Six, just objectively. <laughs> just is. Uh, Oregon State, Notre Dame is a top 25 matchup. You know, solid teams that probably had aspirations. I know even for Oregon State, probably had aspirations that are a little bit higher given the, the roster they had this year. And then that Clemson-Kentucky game, uh, you got a Clemson team that, again, played better but still below expectations overall for the season. And then Kentucky, who for an hour was about to lose Mark Stoops to A&M, and now he's Kentucky through and through and I had all's for- well as good. I had forgotten about the, the Mark Stoops to Texas A&M 30 or 45 minute hour thing that yeah. was that was such a bizarre period of time well it is like overnight like this is happening no it's not yeah that was very strange yeah had to put out a pr statement and that that's something that i'll probably be going back to in the coming years depending on how elko does at a&m uh because that, that there's now a linkage there there just is otherwise there should be hardly any link between yep. modern-day Texas A&M and Kentucky football. Uh, however, uh, whenever you decide to hire a coach or it seems like you're going to hire a coach, then you don't for whatever reason, whether it was a miscommunication, whether there was public pressure, whether there was just a change of heart somewhere, you know, whatever it might be, you you kind of – I'm going to link them now. I'm go, I want – it's – I still think about Tennessee not hiring Shiano yep. and how it was both a negative and is now maybe a positive because there's no debating how bad Pruitt was at Tennessee. They weren't winning a lot, and he did uh, a bunch of uh, illegal things according to the NCAA. I don't mean illegal in terms of that, but but broke a bunch of rules. Right. Uh, and uh, speaking of that, yeah, uh, I learned the other day that you know how in bowl games they always have commercials for the different schools. Yeah, one of Tennessee's punishments is that they cannot air their commercial during their bowl game because of the things that Jeremy Pruitt did. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I heard that. Uh, I heard that somewhere the other day. I read that somewhere. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So 
it even expands the media there a little bit, media mm-hmm. coverage. But, you know, there was no denying that Pruitt did a bad job. That was a really bad decision for that time. Now it led you to a quicker just quicker firing, and it led you to Heupel, and is Heupel better than what Shiana would have done? Probably still assessing everything, but certainly uh, has been – a uh, much better than what they had in other years, given what they did last year. And even this year being able to put out there a top 25 team and it feel kind of underwhelming. Like that's, that's pretty good news. Like if you have a top 25 team and it didn't feel like it, you took full advantage of it or, or that it felt a little disappointing. Like you can't, you can't stack those. You can't do that year after year and feel good about it. But when you're coming from a place like where Tennessee was, where, they were struggling. Some years they'd lose to freaking Vanderbilt, and some years they would go six and six and, and all that and not be ranked today of the season to then now finally having a team that expected to be not only in the top 25 but have an outside shot to compete at the very top. Then I think that's good news initially. They'll have to eventually, again, they can't finish 21st every year. They'll want to be in the top 12 some and go to some playoffs and that sort of thing. But that 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 is a clear improvement. So I don't know ultimately on Shiano versus Heupel, but Shiano versus uh, Pruitt would have been a, a no brainer in hindsight, which is always twenty twenty that you would have rather had Shiano than whatever the hell happened with Pruitt. So now I think with a back to A and M Kentucky, it's like, well, now I'm going to grade for the next three five years, whatever. Would you have rather had Stoops or Elko? And, and that that's. A conversation that would have just been so unnecessary, but it's like they were going to hire Stoops, or so it appeared. At least one side thought so. At least A and M either thought so, or Stoops thought so. Probably more the latter. Uh, and then it's not. So now I'm going to kind of compare the, the two for the next few years, whether fair or foul. Yeah, and I mean we can go back for forever and keep doing that. I mean, we as Auburn fans have always asked, man, what if Alabama had hired Rich Rodriguez? <laughs> when they wanted to instead of Nick Saban. Uh, yeah, the the what if in coaching is always going to be a topic. Um, we, can, we can, as Auburn fans, ask, man, what would have happened if they had hired Kevin Steele in, in 2020? You know, oh, God. What, yeah, you know, what, what, <laughs> what would that result have looked like? Because is it better than what Brian Harson gave us? Probably. But like it's an incredibly low much? bar. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's in play. It, the bar is on the floor. But yeah, <laughs> it, the, those hypotheticals are always going to be interesting to me for sure. Sure. Yeah. Anytime, I guess too, just anytime you you advance that far through the process, um, again, the, those where you feel like someone has come to a decision uh, is, is the ones for me that that really stand out. But. Uh, again, Kentucky will keep Stoops, obviously. They should really like him there. He's brought a great consistency to them. I just talked about what felt a little bit mundane for Tennessee this year. 7-5 and five now feels a little disappointing at Kentucky, and that's a good thing for them. That means that they have changed their equation a little bit, changed the expectations, changed the ceiling in a way. I still think there's still a very palpable ceiling for a school that clearly cares more about basketball than football. Uh, which was one of the points that Mark Stoops got a little bit ornery about, if you'll recall, <laughs> not too long ago. Uh, but I think that, again, that is a sign that you have done a good job when something that used to feel like a success now kind of feels a little bit more like a failure. Again, you can't stack those. You can't do that time and time again because then it, that becomes a constant failure. But you, you've definitely shifted the expectation there. And that's also what Clemson's going through, right? Because there would have been a time where eight and four and ranked at Clemson 
pretty good year. Like like you would have taken that. Really, for the most of their history, I know they won a, 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 a championship around 1980 or so. Maybe it was 1980, but around that time. And But going on 90s, 2000s, 8-4, Clemson, been good job. Pat on the back. Did did a good did a good enough job? Did you beat South Carolina? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, okay, that's nice. <laughs> uh, but now it's like uh, you're getting called in to saying, "Are you worth your salary?" Yeah. What was it, Tyler from yeah, Tyler? Yeah, Tyler from <laughs> Tyler from Spartanburg. That was it. Tyler uh, from Spartanburg. So that that ultimately knows, and like, not that you needed the affirmation of Clemson. We've all seen them win a couple national titles. That's a little different than what Kentucky's done, but. It's like, yeah, at, at one point, eight and four, top 25 would have been considered a success. Now it's considered a pretty marketable failure compared to what Dabo has done the last eight or nine years. So I, I, I think that's kind of the storyline for me over the next day or so bowl games is some teams that are in the process of really shifting their expectations and trying to manage that sort of thing that had some disappointing years this year that fell a little bit short of it. And again, the consequences of that will only increase in future years now that there will be 12 teams able to make the playoffs and not four. If you miss that 12-team playoff, I think it's going to draw even a little bit more ire uh, than just your generic season now where you go eight and four, nine and three, and finish in the back end of the top 25. We're going to take our next break of the show. When we come back, we'll start to transition into some NFL. Another game coming up tonight. I believe it's the last Thursday night game of the year. And uh, we'll get into a little bit of NFL Week 17 next on the Thursday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry with you here on this Thursday. Appreciate you for listening. However, you may be listening to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Today is a Thursday, which means it's our NFL day where we try to hit on all the big storylines going across the NFL. Uh, also, if you're interested in that, we do on Wednesdays interview Joe Bartle of RotoWire. So if you ever want to go back and listen to one of his uh, interviews where he talks a little bit about the fantasy side of things that's available on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola on our Sports Call feed. It's within our full-length episodes, and also the interviews are taken out separately, so you can just listen to those. The Thursday night game tonight in the National Football League uh, is important for one team, not important for the other. It's the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets. The Browns at 10-5. and five. The Jets at six and nine. The Jets are officially 
uh, eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, again, that was kind of always where they were headed after the Aaron Rodgers injury in the uh, first drive, first offensive drive of the season. Uh, again, they, I, I don't even think they're going to have Zach Wilson, by the way, tonight either. I think it's Trevor Simeon that's going to be playing. Uh, so you've got that situation. Uh, the Browns are still technically alive for the division. They're two back of Baltimore anymore. Baltimore win uh, eliminates the Browns there or a Browns loss. Uh, Browns in pretty good wild card standing at 10 and 5, though. Joe Flacco has been uh, a revelation. Is is he better at 35 <laughs> than he was at when he was with the Ravens? Because he, he had. He had one 4,000-yard year with the Ravens. He won an MVP of the Super Bowl. So, like, obviously he was very fun- – he was more than functional with the Ravens. But I swear he's better now than he was, like, a decade ago. Yeah, Flacco is now uh, 38, and it's been – trying to figure out how many years since he was he came, the He came in off the couch, right? He didn't start the year no, with them. No, he was with the Jets last year. Yeah. Played for them as they had, again, quarterback snap. Who's yeah, the Jets yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Zach Wilson doing Zach Wilson right. stuff. And uh, to be fair to the Jets, like they signed Rodgers, they didn't think they needed a, another veteran uh, behind Zach Wilson because they had a veteran in front of Zach Wilson. So they did not re-up Flacco. And he's kind of come into it with a mindset. And I really appreciate the guys that do this because for, for teams that I don't care about one way or the other – this is exactly how to watch football. He's come in saying, I'm a sling it. I got <laughs> nothing to lose. We're not doing the check-in stuff. We're here to throw the football around. So he's got 10 TDs and seven picks already. <laughs> and I think I, I think it's in four games that that's occurred. So if he were to play a full 17 – yeah, it is four games. If he were to play a 17-game season, so you, you this would be 25% of the old 16-game season. So that alone would be 40 touchdowns and 28 picks. Okay, that's that's in 16 games. So Incredible. he would throw about 30 interceptions <laughs> in a 17-game season with 40-some-odd touchdowns. Like, it would even take the Winston season a little bit higher yeah. from a touchdown perspective. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Was, was Jameis Winston's 30-30? Yeah. But like, – That'd be 40-30. It'd be the Acuna. Yeah. It'd be the Acuna. <laughs> uh, so, so I love it. I love it. He He's like, this is my maybe my last chance, uh, and this team's pretty good, and I know the defense has got me. If I do make a mistake, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a threat instead of a liability. So I loved it. The other guy I love right now, and I know we'll, we'll get back to the playoff scenarios and the Browns part of it in just a second – Along the lines of guys that I love that are just just absolutely slinging it with no regard. Unfortunately, he got benched, but was Nick Mullins uh, of Minnesota. I don't know if <laughs> yeah. you watched anything from him the last couple weeks. Did not care. Was absolutely going to try. Uh, and in two games, listen, listen to these two stat lines. He played a little bit against uh, Las Vegas in relief, but here, here's his two starts. Against Cincinnati, 26 of 33. 303, two touchdowns, two picks. And boy, I'll tell you what, that pick, I don't know if you ever saw it, one of the worst picks I've ever seen <laughs> was getting tackled, was falling down, threw it up, hit the defender in the helmet, and then landed in the guy's hands. Just just kind of unfortunate, but also just, dude, you are your butt's almost on the ground. Just let just it take just take the sack. Just take the sack. It's okay. But last week, man, he was cooking. <laughs> 
Okay. What about instead of 303 yards, 411 yards? That's a good day. Two touchdowns. Good day. Four picks. Bad day. <laughs> so I again, this is electric football, right? In a league where we've got almost half the quarterbacks in a backup situation, and and some of them have been playing fine. Like Minshew's just kind of settled in. Now it's been so long ago that Gard- Richardson- Gardner Minshew's just been yeah he's fine, he's fine. everywhere you know? he's been he's been just fine. You know Brissett now in Washington's taking yeah. Sam Howell's job. Uh, which is an interesting choice, by the way, from a team that's four and eleven and has a Brissett's the older quarterback, and they're going to draft anyway. Uh, I don't see the upsides. What I'm saying, Brissett has no doubt earned an opportunity because Howell's been really bad the last three or four weeks, but also He's, Sam Howell's like 23, and Jacoby Brissett's decidedly not 23. Hasn't so. he, hasn't Sam Howell taken like the most sacks ever? Is sometime in the season? It's yeah. it's been brutal. I know that Atlanta sacked him like five times. He, he's seen a lot of sky. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely seen a lot. It, of sky. It could it could be like they're trying to protect him. From, <laughs> they're trying to protect him from himself for for the rest yeah. of this year. But yeah, I, I think Sam Howell is super talented, but he he's got to protect yeah. himself he, at well, some point. And true, and he's probably one of these guys I should label too as these fun to watch guys because he also has had a heck of a year in terms of you just don't know what you're going to get. So he's at 63%. That's fine. That's pretty good. 3,600 yards. That's towards the top seven or eight in the league. That's pretty good. Yeah. The problems are, so 19 TDs, you know, a little below average production there. Whatever. 17 interceptions. That's a lot. So, again, we're about 50-50 when you get the touchdown the interception deal. <laughs> I Look, I happened to good quarterbacks. Where where are the good quarterbacks? <laughs> I'm just again, I'm just trying to make some light out of otherwise what would just be an incredibly disappointing and frustrating year for quarterbacks because you go through it. Your best quarterback <laughs> Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy might win MVP. And like I Lamar Jackson's been awesome and he's been awesome all year and he doesn't just throw the ball. He adds an extra dimension to to what you can do as an offense. I'm trying to think of any other quarterback who I'm like, wow, that guy's been really good all year. Because like even Brock Purdy has gotten labeled as this man. He's he's decent, but he's mostly his weapons around him. I think Dak Prescott's been pretty good, but he's also had some bad games. Same thing can be said for Tua. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of just all the good teams around the NFL, and I'm going. There's really only one quarterback that has really blown people away this year, and that's been Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and the funny thing, too, is, I, look, if I had a vote today, I would have shifted it to Lamar now. Yeah. I, I personally, even up to last week, would have probably gone Tyree Kill because I'm just kind of mm. done with the quarterback stuff. That's fair. I was thinking Christian McCaffrey sure. for, Mc, for a similar and, reason. McCaffrey would have been in my top five for sure, maybe third. I, I've got to go Lamar now because <laughs> I can't go Purdy after that game. Uh, I can't go Dak because of the last couple weeks they've had. I don't believe it's more Tua than Tyreek. I believe yeah. it's more Tyreek than Tua. It's definitely not Mahomes. He's had a bad year. He's one of the league leaders in interceptions. He's got like 14 picks this year. Not all his fault, but right, definitely sure. definitely has had a rough year. Um, and, and when I guess without the just gaudy numbers to counteract any of that stuff. And so I'm kind of with – the Lamar stuff, the the problem is, too, and look, an MVP is an MVP. It don't matter. You want it. There's no such thing as, like, a truly devalued or weak or anything like that. I mean, he's still MVP of the league. But this will be one of the lesser MVP seasons from a production standpoint 
in a while, assuming it is Lamar. Lamar's 15th in the NFL in passing yards. So that's dead middle. And again, you say 15th, it's like, okay, well, you know, for a guy that runs a lot. But also remember that almost half the league's been hurt. <laughs> so, so it's. It, you have so many backups. So like, many quarterbacks have started this year. Like 19th in the league in passing is Gardner Minshew. And he did not start three or four of the games. That's somebody that on average would be above Lamar. So. Lamar would have been in the 20s from a passing yards perspective if, if people would have been healthy. Now, the rushing part is certainly important. We'll get to that in a second. But it's like also 19 TDs and seven picks. Well, that's a really good ratio. There's nothing wrong with picks. Seven picks, fine. But 19 TDs and 15 games. So projected out is about 22, 23 touchdowns in this modern era of football, the way we throw it all over time, low 20s. Like, that's not an MVP season. Now, the rushing's really good. Again, he's in the, I believe, around the 600-yard range, uh, if I remember right, maybe in the 700-yard range. So, yeah, he's 786 there. So he's 18th in the league in rushing. So that's that's really darn good for a quarterback. Uh, and the production there is five touchdowns. So he's got 24 touchdowns in 15 games. So project that out, give him about four, five more, four more, 28 touchdowns total in 17-game seasons. like that that's just from a statistical standpoint you're never convincing anyone that's mvp yeah. level yeah. now you that's watch a, that's a good season right you watch him though and he's like yeah i see what he does i see yeah. him make three people miss i see him <laughs> extend the play i see him get the uh, he's, every did you first, did you see the the angle that of him making fred warner miss on one uh, yeah. he had like a third and 12 scramble elite line yeah might yeah. be the best linebacker in the league and just made him look silly and he just does that at least once a game he, he yeah. can, and he has such a you know we talk about running quarterbacks in the past and every single one of them gets hurt you know and uh, I think Cam Newton being the one that people listening around here will be most familiar with Cam was great as an as a runner but he was too dang big and too dang strong for his own good and he ended up getting hurt and that's why he's out of the league now but Lamar Jackson just has this ability to be shifty and and to get out of the way of most of the hits and to go down when he needs to and to just his his ability to create the bad angle and make you just look dumb make these world-class athletes just look like they're on ice skates it's incredible so i'm going to do one blind stat uh comparison with you okay and you're first going to tell tell me which one you'd prefer, and then you're going to tell me who the mystery player is because one is Lamar Jackson and one is another player that I want to compare him to. And just, again, give you an idea why you have to be watching to understand the impact and that if you're trying to make a statistical argument, it's not there. So, again, Lamar Jackson on the season as a passer, 66%, 3,357 yards, 19 TDs, 7 picks, and then as a runner, uh, he has 786 yards, five touchdowns. Okay, okay. so that's, that's what, about 4,400 yards, something like that? That is Well, the passing was 3,300, so about 4,100. Okay. So about 4,100 total touchdowns. touchdowns. Yep. Okay. Seven picks. All right, player B, 66.4%, 3,070 yards, 26 touchdowns, eight picks. And then as a runner... Uh, not as much, 341 yards, three touchdowns. So it's about 3,400 total yards, but it is 29 total touchdowns 
and then uh, eight picks instead of seven, and then a three percent higher completion percentage and about four hundred less passing yards. So more efficient, more efficient, more touchdowns, more yards, one more turnover to significantly more on the other side. Like player B has the the prettier stat line, sure, just for sure. a little bit, yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Do you want to take a guess who player B is? Oh. Is, is is it Gardner Minshew? No. <laughs> I mean, it would, would be really funny. It is not, no. Uh, is it a guy we've talked about so far today? No. Uh, I'm never going to guess it. Russell Wilson, who oh, just got benched. Oh, yeah. 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 Interesting. So, see, that's why I'm saying it, someone's going to go back and look at the stats and be like, eh? That, that didn't actually watch it. And, again, I like I said, I totally understand Lamar. That's I'm not making that argument to say he should not win it. Because I don't think these other guys have provided the value necessary. Like his va- part of value is not always statistically based. Also, wins and losses do count a little bit in value. And I promise you, Lamar Jackson is a huge reason. And we have already seen in past regular seasons when he's not out there, they literally go from one of the two best teams in the AFC to not making the playoffs in like a seven game stretch. Yep. So, again, I think the value is clear. It's just the statistics are so underwhelming that that's why it's kind of a rough year for figuring out who's going to win because normally someone that's at like even with the rushings at like one and a half touchdowns per game accounting for is not someone you think of as having some unbelievable year and then being in the middle of the pack in league and passing of a league that again about 10 or 11 guys have not played all year it's 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 yeah it's it's a different year it is not the robust choice that I feel like we've had in years past. So yeah, he's just he's just incredible, man. It's it's just a, a watching that Ravens team. The addition. First off, yes, we've talked about Lamar. Talking about the rest of that team. Yeah, they're so good. Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen playing right next to each other is not fair. They're <laughs> so dang good, man. It is just I. I know that Brock Purdy is like a little bit limited, and I understand that, and they, they really took advantage of that. But the way they were able to shut down every part of that offense was so impressive. And, and it starts in the middle with Smith and Queen playing next to each other. And, you know, they couldn't do anything. The 49ers, things that have worked for them all year against the rest of the NFL just did not work on that in that game. And I think that – I. Right now, I, I've been picking all year the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. I still think they could, even if they do replay the Ravens. I think it's hard to beat it. It's it's super hard to beat a team twice, uh, especially one that you dominate the first time. But I think that if those two teams played again, like I probably would have to go with the Ravens just because of the the performance they put on. And I like I said, I Super Bowl pick all year has been the 49ers. At this point, it's got to be the Ravens for me. Yeah, you know. If you want to make the case for the second time around would be different, I think it's a pretty clear case with San Francisco. It just starts with, hey, two or three of those interceptions are kind of freak things, are kind of yeah. tip balls, timing issue by a half a second, very correctable stuff, that sort of thing. They did run the ball well. McCaffrey still had his. It just didn't maybe get him enough touches, 14 carries, 103, and a touchdown. But – yeah, the thing with Baltimore is is that Lamar extends so many plays, and now that their receivers are a little better, that you have to be able to not only be great in, in the terms of getting there, 
but you've got to get him down. Like half the quarterbacks in the league will will get sacked with some of the pressure San Francisco had. But with Lamar, he's as fast, agile, and slippery as any of these guys in the NFL. So the way in which you beat your guy matters because you have to be able to put a certain amount of contain while you're pressuring. And he'll just run around you otherwise. If it's those big guys up front, you can't really speed rush that much. He'll step up. Like You've got to be able to combine the speed rush on the edge with winning in the middle yeah. to make it where there's nowhere to get out of right there. You got to maintain lane integrity. That that's the the football buzzwords for it. You can't you can't overrun the quarterback trying to outrun a tackle, you know? Cuz if you do, then I mean, any quarterback with any kind of mobility is going to be able to get out of there and probably run for a good amount of yardage. A guy like Lamar Jackson's going to kill you for doing that. Sure. And and we saw him do that a little bit against San Francisco and he, it's so hard to to try and beat a guy with a speed rush and not overrun the quarterback, and that's something that you know the best guys can do it. But against Lamar, that that margin of error is so much smaller than it is against anybody else. Well, and also think of you know San Francisco's pass rushers because Bosa is awesome. Chase Young, I think, has been a little bit disappointing in the yeah, NFL. I He's had so his moments, especially early with Washington when he was there. But those guys are not. Truly, they're like they're truly more defensive ends than yeah. outside linebackers. They're not a Von Miller type. They are a mean defensive end type, and mean defensive end types usually are look. They're usually good at all kinds of rush, but they're just as good with power than speed. Like Von Miller is going to usually get you with speed, yeah, and speed, got, speed and moves. Guys like him, and so you've got to really be able to just whip somebody physically. Or else it's going to be too tough to again combine the edge with what you need in the middle, because uh, he'll just run around it, and, or he'll run through it in some cases. With if you again, if you do go speed rush, so they don't usually make their hay that way. They usually do it with a power move more than a finesse move. Uh, so that was very interesting to see. That was the game that was the biggest hype coming up in the Christmas day, and that was the game that was the widest margin. A victory because of the Eagles kind of playing around with the Giants and the Chiefs losing the Raiders. Those were all three, like, well, two of the three were close games and, like, they were certainly not in question and worth watching, but they were so sloppy, just very sloppy football from the NFL. And when I am the only person in my family who watches professional football and I convince the rest of my family to watch it with me, and that's the kind of product that they put that, put out there on the field, it gets tougher to recreate that. <laughs> so, like, I, you know, I, I want to be able to watch it with my family, but there were several times where I was like, yeah, this, this, is, this just isn't very good yeah. Yeah, for, for whatever reason. You know, the, the pros are not perfect. Uh, yeah, as great as they are, yeah. they're they're And oddly enough, too, that's more of stuff we would have seen in the Thursday night game. Yeah, more than it maybe a, a, a slew of Monday games. Monday has been a normal calendar day in the league for a long, long time. So uh, interesting uh, with all the turnovers and stuff for sure. I uh, need to take one final time out of this hour again. If you want to join us today, three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Sports call returns after this timeout. Want 
to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Brian LaVoy and Brent Daughtry with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Again, following all the bowl action today, just had a uh, crazy sequence in the Miami game where Miami recovered an onside kick, still trying to come back from down two scores. I got two top 25 matchups coming up this evening, uh, so a lot of good stuff now as we start to wind down the college football season with the last half here of bowl season. Of course, we want to take all your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We head back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Terry from Auburn. Terry is with us. Terry, how are you today? I'm doing great, guys. How's it going? Doing well. Which one of you guys made the statement, it's tough to beat a team twice? Uh, that was me, Brent. That was you, Brent? Okay. That, I think that's the most overblown, overrated statement in the history of football. Because every time there, there's been a rematch in the SEC title game, the same team has won. If a team is just bigger, stronger, and faster than you are, they're going to win every time. Well, that's the truth of it. Uh, I mean, that's not what happened when Alabama and Georgia played both in the title game and the national title game a, a few years ago. They, they swapped. Well, I, okay, yeah, I see your argument there, but that's once. Okay, name me another. Well, okay, but name me the, two, the time where the two teams actually felt like they're on the na- same, uh, same level. I think Alabama and Florida played in the regular season and played the title game, didn't they? Uh, what year was that? That I don't remember. <laughs> I'm 57 years old. Give me a break. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, again, because I'm I'm saying that I don't think we see that if too. You go ma- back and look. I bet you it's not. I bet you it's much more than you think. I'm sure. Sorry, I, I mean, again, I I do think though that I mean, look in the NFL, sometimes you you have a situation where these teams play twice anyway. Uh, because of the divisions and, and have good teams and that sort of thing. But, uh, I, I mean, I do think that sometimes – I mean, I think it depends on which which ones you want to cherry pick. I think you can you can go both ways on it. But I do think that sometimes we see vastly different situations. Heck, we saw it again. One that just came to mind was you had the LSU-Alabama year uh, in 2011, 2012, 2012, I 2012 think, yeah. where LSU won 9-6 in the, quote, game of the century, and then Bama shut them out 21 nothing. So – I definitely think that you can have situations on both sides of the equation. Yeah, I just think it's an overrated statement. I think it's, it's, it's like the saying, you win with great defense, you don't do that anymore. You might have in the 70s and, and maybe part of the 80s where I grew up, but you don't do it anymore. Because you can't, you, can't you can't win games 7-3 to three or 10-7 to seven or 3 nothing. You can't do that anymore. It's just the athletes are too great now. Sure, I mean, I definitely agree with that. I, I, don't, I don't think that uh, – Defense is the most important part of a championship team. I definitely agree with that. But I, I, again, I think that there are both sides of the equation there on the on the second right. team stuff. Right. Um, you guys are talking about pass rush. I always, when I think about speed, finesse, and everything, I think about that guy for the Rams. I'm not an NFL guy, but I, I, that guy's unbelievable. Yeah, Aaron I, Donald. He's always, yeah, McDonald, Aaron McDonald. That's it. Yeah, he no. can do it all. Yeah, he's been one of the rare rare kinds where they can line him up kind of as a tackle, but also kind of move him out a little bit more too, and that he can win with again power and finesse. I mean, he's he's one of the great defensive linemen of all time. I mean, again, his his ability to do 
absolutely everything run stop. There's some defensive linemen you got to take out on third downs. They're just as happy to have him pass rush and be a part of that equation too. And uh, no, he's he's been dominant in the league for several years. Yep. Yeah, that's what the great ones do. They can rush the passer from anywhere you put them. Yeah, absolutely. He's again, and, he he's been one of the best for almost a decade now. Now this guy you guys mentioned, I, and and I asked for your beg for your apology if you guys already mentioned this. The guy that transferred from Cal to Auburn, you say was a teammate of of a, a quarterback Thorne. in high school. Yes, Sam Jackson fifth, and yeah, it was at the very beginning of the show. Uh, so it's been a while since we mentioned it, but yeah, Sam Jackson uh, was a high school teammate with Peyton Thorne. Uh, I think for one year. Yep. And uh, that's the last time, obviously, he played high, uh, wide receiver was in high school. How big is this kid? Uh, not very. He he would definitely not be an edge guy, I don't believe. I think he was about six foot. Um, so definitely more of a smaller kid. Uh, I'll double-check the, the measurables there. But, uh, yeah, 5'11", 195. So, yeah, not, 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 an, not an outside guy. Not an imposing figure. No. Sounds like a possession receiver, a guy kind of line up in the slot or something like that. Yeah, I think I think that the hope because again, I think they're going to clearly rely on, on most of their high school guys and one or two of the returnees like Fairweather. I think their hope is that they can get Sam Jackson some sort of gadget situation, kind of a low risk uh, type of situation, and uh, try and get him involved just a little bit. But I, I don't think he would be a major contributor. And did he play some quarterback too? Did you mention that? Yeah, no, he was a quarterback at Cal. He's who's he's who played quarterback for Cal against Auburn this year. Uh, he's okay. he's just he was not very. It was about a fifty percent passer. Uh, yeah, m- definitely more of a runner, uh, and uh, just just did not have a great uh, a great passing outlook there. That's interesting. Very interesting. Okay, yes, guys, sir. I appreciate you. Have a great day. You too, Terry. Appreciate it. That is Terry from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Yeah, again, Sam Jackson. Played about half the season for Cal uh, at quarterback. He was their quarterback going into the season. Had some injury problems. Again, not an incredibly effective passer uh, overall in the season. Uh, it had about 100 pass attempts, was 53%, five TDs, two picks. So, again, you know, and the rush numbers weren't even great either because of sacks, uh, which is, by the way, a thing that I don't want to go on too much of a tangent on, but – it's kind of the way I like the NFL better. You can consume the NFL just from the, this statistical standpoint. You can consume the NFL rushing statistics way easier because they take the sack yardage away from team passing rather than individual rushing. Mm. But uh, but Jackson was always more of an athlete playing quarterback. Yeah, I, I think the story with Sam Jackson as a high school player, if I remember right, he was a quarterback as a freshman. Transferred high schools, wanted to get on the field, but Peyton Thorne was already there, so they moved him to wide receiver for a year. And then when Thorne graduated, I think he took over as the quarterback and was quarterback for three of his four years in high school. Uh, And obviously signed with, I think, TCU as a quarterback, then went to Cal, played quarterback there, and now is going back to receiver. So more certainly more experience as a quarterback, but like, like the stats point out, wasn't really working for him. And trying to get on the field however he can. Yeah, we'll see if he's able to find his niche at Auburn and be able to, again, either uh, be someone as a as a depth option or be a gadget guy or whatever they might have in mind there. Uh, but, again, yeah, Sam Jackson V coming over from Cal and announced as a wide receiver despite playing quarterback. Appreciate that phone call, Terry. We are out of time for hour number two. When we come back, Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. That'll be – Uh, NFL focus as we run down through some of the playoff scenarios coming up uh, in these last two weeks of the season. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Dontry with you here on this Thursday. As we do each and every Thursday during the football season, we talk a lot of NFL. Again, coming up tomorrow, though, we will have uh, the rundown on the Music City Bowl for Auburn. We'll have a preview of Auburn basketball. And then, of course, we will have the uh, kind of the analysis on what's going to happen in the playoff. Alabama, Michigan, Texas, Washington. Uh, that will be some interesting stuff. I know Terry called in a little bit ago about the second time deal and that sort of thing. Might get one of those in the championship game if Alabama and Texas win their respective games. So we'll see uh, it, what happens there. But we'll be breaking down all those on tomorrow's show. For now, we want to get to Sports Calls 5 at 5. It's presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can help you with that. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at sclandgroup.com. Today, for the 5 at 5, it will be NFL-based. I'm going to give you five quick matchups. We'll talk about them individually in just a moment. I'm going to give you five matchups that will have a lot to do with the playoffs in terms of seeding, in terms of who gets in, who's left out. So we'll do five playoff matchups right here as we start off with the five at five. Number one. And the very first game is Saturday night there with the Lions and the Cowboys. Lions have already won the NFC North. They are 11-4. and four. Tied for the best record the NFC. Don't think, based off schedule, that they would get to the one seed just because of who they have on Saturday, who the Eagles don't have in the next couple weeks, and that sort of thing. But look, the hopes are still there. They are eleven and four. They're taking the ten and five Cowboys, who, with another loss this time to a really good Dolphins team last week, uh, they are now uh, decidedly outside looking in in terms of trying to win the NFC East. Phil- Philadelphia has a tiebreaker and a one game advantage, so it looks like the Cowboys will end up being the. Uh, six seed, or excuse me, the five seed, uh, as long as they don't lose the next two and have someone else win the next two. But they're in the playoffs, but uh, still trying to figure out where exactly those two teams will be seeded. That would be a really good matchup for sure. Number two. This is probably the game of the week, and it's in the AFC, and it's at noon. It's the Miami Dolphins and the Baltimore Ravens. Dolphins 11-4 on the season. Ravens 12-3. and So, Miami's outlook could be very different depending on the result of this game. They could either win this game and have an opportunity to be the number one seed in the AFC, or they could lose it 
and might have to be playing for the division the following week against Buffalo if Buffalo is able to beat New England this weekend. So Miami, this is a kind of an all, almost an all-or-nothing game for them. Uh, again, they can win the division against Buffalo next week, but they can lose it if they don't win. Or if they win this game, not only do they lock up the division, they could end up having the one seed. So a big-time matchup for Miami. Of course, Baltimore can pretty much lock up the one seed, and they can win the division with one more win or with a Cleveland loss. So Baltimore edging towards what is going to be a significant playoff result for them. Number three. Next up on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Got an interesting one in Arrowhead. It's the 9-6 and six Kansas City Chiefs and the 8-7 and seven Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals have managed to stay kind of around things with Jake Browning as quarterback with Joe Burrow hurt. However, Cincinnati comes out on the wrong end of pretty much all these tiebreakers. They are 8-7, and seven, and also the Colts, Texans, and Steelers are 8-7. and seven. The Colts having the seventh and final playoff spot right now. However, they are the absolute lowest of all those four uh, eight and seven teams. So Cincinnati absolutely needs to win these next couple of games to give themselves a chance because they're going to come out the wrong end of all these time uh, tiebreakers. And then for Kansas City, look, I mean, it is not too dire for them. They have not locked up the division, but they'd have to lose both and uh, Vegas or Denver win both. But at nine and six, I mean, you're looking at the three seed and if you drop another one maybe even the four seed depending on the afc south results with jacksonville indy and houston so uh definitely not going to run through arrowhead this year they will not be the one seed and will likely not be the two seed uh in the afc so uh, still big time situation there for kansas city as they try to get right for the playoffs and again, as for Cincinnati, as they just try to make the playoffs. Number four. Big one in Tampa for the NFC South. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 8-7. and seven. New Orleans Saints, 7-8. and eight. The Bucs have won four straight and are one win away. They actually do not have to win this game, the win division. They can beat Carolina next week. They still control their own fate. But, of course, they want to get it done on their home field this weekend in Tampa. The Saints scenario is that they need to win the last two and they need the Bucks to lose the last two. Pretty simple scenario. And, of course, the Atlanta Falcons, who you can hear right here in Tiger 95.9, their scenario is for some chaos to happen. Let's go. They would like the Saints to beat the Buccaneers, and then they would like the Bucks to lose to the Panthers, and then the Falcons need to win this week against the Bears and beat the Saints or – I believe if it is a three-way slot fest at eight and nine, meaning the Bucks lose out and the Saints uh, win this game, lose to Atlanta, Atlanta beats the Bears, uh, or even loses to the Bears and beats the Saints at three teams at eight and nine, the Falcons win that three-way tiebreaker. Uh, other, I mean, again, it, it gets very confusing. The very simple thing is if Tampa wins this week or wins next weekend, they have won the NFC South. But, again, we can get into chaos mode if the Saints beat the Bucks in Tampa. Bucks did beat the Saints the first time around in New Orleans, so that one will be a 12 o'clock matchup with the NFC South on the line. And last up in the sports call, 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Five NFL games with playoff uh, expectations with – uh, uh, just a huge uh, kind of just 
games in which important yeah, games with implications. Yeah, yeah, implications. I was looking for the word implications for <laughs> ten minutes. So thank you for that. With huge playoff implications. Last up on the sports call five five presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number five. A game that probably not a lot of people are going to enjoy watching, but they might want to watch it anyway. <laughs> The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. So this is a very rare, late but important AFC versus NFC showdown. So for the Seahawks, they are 8-7. and seven. And again, they are right now the 7th seed in the NFC. If you are a Falcons or Saints fan and you're trying to backdoor, say, say your Bucks lose to the Saints but then beat Carolina, they still win the division, the Falcons and Saints are really going to want someone like Seattle to lose because the Seahawks are 8-7. and seven. They are with the Rams who are also 8-7. and seven. Those are the 6-7 and seven seeds. Minnesota, Atlanta, Green Bay, and New Orleans are all 7-8, and 8-11. Eight, eight through 11 in the NFC. So if Seattle and the Rams keep winning, there is no path for a wild card for Atlanta or New Orleans uh, or Tampa for for that matter, if they were to lose out. Uh, But uh, the Seahawks are at home. They've won a couple of critical ones. Beating the Eagles was so important for them to have that late comeback by Drew Locke. And so that has still kept them in the seventh seed and in the AFC. Uh, One week ago, if you were listening to national radio or national TV, there was a lot of conversing about uh, Mike Tomlin's tenure in Pittsburgh. Look, I can't promise you one way or another uh, what will happen, but I don't think he should be removed under any circumstance. Uh, They got a big win last weekend against Cincinnati. So they are in a – uh, situation where they're also eight and seven, but like Cincinnati, they're losing out on some of these tiebreakers. They are currently losing a tiebreaker with Indy and Houston, so uh, they really can't afford to lose again either. Also, with the knowledge that Buffalo is not likely to lose to New England, you're probably only looking at one available playoff spot in the AFC between Indy, Houston, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati. So, again, you can't really drop one, especially if you're Pittsburgh and Cincinnati when you don't have any of the tiebreakers. So, again, big playoff implications. That took a lot of time to try to explain you uh, some of those. There are more that we could explain. AFC South, Jacksonville needs to win again. They can't keep losing. Uh, Indian Houston and Jacksonville are all 8-7. and seven. It's just Jacksonville has the tiebreaker there. Fortunately for Jacksonville, they play Carolina and then Tennessee. I don't think that that is a, a very um, a very formidable stretch compared to what they could have, but they do need to win. Uh, they can't lose them, and so when you're eight and seven, anything's in, in play. So anyway, Brent, those are the five some of the big five matchups. So we'll start with the one on Saturday, and then with the other one we mentioned with the Baltimore Miami game. So Detroit and Dallas, Baltimore Miami, kind of the two. Excuse me. Yeah, Baltimore, Miami, Detroit, and Dallas, the two kind of headliners of Week 17. Yeah, I I think that Dallas is a really good football team. I just don't know if they have it. You know, whatever it is, however you define it, I don't think that Dallas has it. And I think that the Lions, even though they may not have the best roster, they may not have the super talented players, they may not have the, the quarterback who can compete for an MVP, I think they have it you know and if you want to call it toughness grit uh star power whatever whatever you want to attribute to that matchup i think that dallas might win this game i think actually in our predictions i did pick dallas to win this game but sitting here right now it's tough for me to look at the lions and go well these guys are not 
going, you know, I think that those guys can pull it out. I think they're built for it. I think that uh, what Dan Campbell has done in Detroit is I mean, nothing short of miracle working, honestly. I think that where he was, well, first of all, he was on that 0-16 team, quarterbacked by Dan Orlovsky. He was, he was a, I believe, a tight end on that team. But since he's become the head coach of that team, the way they've steadily improved and you know, they've got Jared Goff as their quarterback. They don't have just a world beater. They've got a guy who's functional, and yet they went, they managed to win a, a good division. So I'm, I'm really impressed by the Lions. I think, I, I think that their story is really cool. I think that Sam Laporta is going to be the guy in a couple of years. I, I think he's already a top five tight end. I think he's going to be the top tight end sooner rather than later. Um, I, I'm just, I'm, I think the Lions story is really cool to be as bad as they have been for so long and to now win that division I think is really impressive yeah and you look at Detroit we're finally deep enough in the season I don't like doing this with just three or four I want to get pretty deep into the season admittedly this is it didn't need to be this late in the season but before you start looking at the home and away stuff because I don't know you know six seven eight games in the year they're still figuring some things out I don't know if records are are fully uh indicative at that point but you look at Detroit Six and two on the road, five and two at home. So it's really not mattered for them. They have been consistent either way. Dallas, however, who is the home team, seven and zero at home, three and five on the road, mm. uh, which is going to be interesting because Dallas is not going to win that division. They're probably going to be the five seed. They'll pair up with the NFC South uh, division winner. They had no problems last year when they did that, but simply saying that uh, this is a team that had. Uh, has a, a, a pretty much a 180, uh, depending on home and away. Because even they lost, it's not even losing good teams. They lost to Arizona way back when uh, this year, when it was Dobbs and they lost at Arizona. So Dallas clearly is a different team at home. I think that helps them a lot this week. But again, in the totality of what they're going to have to do, not even being a top four seed and not winning their division, it's going to be very difficult for them to do much of consequence in the NFC playoffs. But Detroit, on the other hand, that's a, that's a balanced team. It's not. Um, it, it's not a team that feels like it can only do one thing well. I think that they run the ball effectively. There's been a lot of clamoring for more Gibbs. They've given you more Gibbs later in the season. Uh, their play-action passing is something that I just think is is top in the league. I think their play-action passing I, – I, I do it in a, even a non-play-action now, third and nine. I might just give you a little fake handoff <laughs> just, just to throw you off a little bit. Their play-action passing has been that good. Uh, and, and that's the system Goff likes the most. He, he, that's what McVay did a lot of in L.A. when they had the one or two really good runs at it with him. So he likes that style that has worked for Detroit. They've become a tougher team. They needed to toughen up after some just really bad seasons, and Campbell's helped them with that too. Detroit's been a really good story. And, I'm, I'm again, I, I try not to think about the fans that I interacted with in Tampa when they, when they came there because that was – Worse than Philadelphia fans, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, but but good for them that they do have a winning football team this year uh, after a lot of years of struggling. And look, I mean, that division should have been a little bit better than it was. They currently don't have any other playoff teams nor any other teams above 500. Minnesota and Green Bay will play each other this week to have a team make 500 and, and have a chance at a wild card. But I, I think they would have won this division anyway. Healthy Kirk Cousins. Is, I mean, I don't. I don't see the path to why they wouldn't have won this division. So uh, they did a they did a really good job this year. That second game, Brand again, Baltimore and Miami. 
again, this is a high stakes game for Miami mm-hmm. because in two weeks they could go from having a shot the one seed to not even winning their division and being a five or possibly even a six seed depending on what Cleveland does. This, this is. Uh, a, a challenge, to say the least, down the stretch here with Baltimore and then Buffalo. I think that Miami has been a team that's a lot of fun to watch. They they finally beat a good team when they beat Dallas, and you know we talked about Dallas's road woes. Um, I really love Mike McDaniel. I, I love the young offensive guys that innovate, and I, Mike McDaniel has done that as well as anybody. Uh, and the the way that he has put a quarterback into a talk of Iloa who is. I don't want to say limited. I don't want to call him a game manager because that makes it sound like I think he's a bad quarterback. Two is not a bad quarterback. He's a really good quarterback, but he's not the quarterback that can make every throw, read every defense. He's not He's not perfect, but Mike McDaniel has built an offense around him and given him the weapons to make him super successful. Um, and like we were talking about earlier, he's got a wide receiver who's going to get MVP votes. For a guy to get MVP votes who is not a quarterback or a running back is incredibly difficult to do. And you've got a guy like that in Tyree Kill. So I think that I think the Dolphins will be able to put up points. I don't think they'll be able to put up enough points. I think Baltimore's defense is too good. And I think, again, I, you know, we, we saw what the Ravens' offense can do. They, their defense is going to force turnovers. They are going, they are going to stop the run pretty effectively. Um, if your offense gets predictable, they are going to eat you alive. And I think that maybe Miami just runs into a wall a little bit. I think maybe it's close for a half and Baltimore kind of pulls away, maybe wins by 13 or 14 uh, by the end of the game. It feels like that kind of game to me. I'm still a little worried about Miami's defense, yes, because of Lamar, but also because of they still don't feel just right to me. Like that's I know Joe Bartle on the show yesterday was talking a little bit about how since Ramsey came in, they're like – eighth in the in adjusted EPA or whatever the, the advanced statistic is. So basically in other words, since like week seven or week eight, Miami has become a top ten defense. The the problem is for me with the Dolphins is during since that week seven or week eight stretch, here's some of the teams they played. They played the Patriots, they played the Raiders, they played the Commanders, and they played the Jets twice. They they have not played good NFL offenses in the last 10 weeks, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 weeks. So, yes, you can say they are playing better, and they are, but they're also playing some of the absolute worst offenses in the NFL. You play the Jets twice, yeah, you better uh, close <laughs> to shut out or shut out the Jets. You play the Commanders with how many times they turn the ball over, like that's a good matchup for you. You play the Raiders. Raiders have not had good offense, whether it been O'Connell or Garoppolo. So, uh, I, I think that it's kind of misleading to think of Miami now as a top 10 defense. They played five or six teams that any, just about anyone in the league is going to hold down into the teens or even single digits at times. So I'm still worried a little bit about Miami's defense personally, and I'm worried about them these next two games because uh, they just had – they checked the first box. That was an emotional win. That was a good win against Dallas. That was a close game. Dallas – Obviously made it tough on them late, and Miami pulled through there. But the works, the job's not done. And again, it's very unlikely New England's beating Buffalo this week. So if you do lose this Ravens game, you will have to defend your home field against Buffalo to to win the division. And for as great as Miami looked, as down as Buffalo looked 
pretty much all year to then not even win the division, that's a gut punch. I, I, I'm not going to like them in their wild card matchup because that, that is a, a big 180 on what their season could have been. So uh, that that for sure is something to keep an eye on. And then, again, Baltimore has, has just passed every test as of late, and it's going to be tough to wrangle in Lamar. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Let's take another phone call before we head to our next break. Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you today? I'm great, guys. I hope you all are, too. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, I I called in to uh, uh, wish you all a Merry Christmas and, and see how your Christmas was. I think that was on Tuesday. And Brooks answered. But it wasn't the Brooks I was expecting. It was somebody else answering the phone named Brooks. And I hope you relayed the message to let you know that I, I, I hope you all had a, a Merry Christmas. Hey, I'm keeping up with your NFL talk. I'd like to do that, but I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, that is okay. Uh, okay. Man, I have never wanted a 12-team playoff. Okay? I'm a George fan, but I, I still don't believe it. Who'd you say? We got North uh, Notre Dame and who Oklahoma? Uh, yeah, Oklahoma Oregon. and uh, Oklahoma and Arizona is twelve versus fourteen. Yep. Right. Do you believe either one of them are the best team in the country right now? No, I don't. But also, that's not my qualifier. Okay. I want to why I want a big playoff. I got you. And but the reason I want a big playoff is just like you had said earlier, Ryan, to keep people from transferring, to make these games mean enough where these get um i don't know i can't call them kids anymore (laughs) where these athletes will stay so we can watch some good games because just like steve said earlier i was excited when i saw that georgia played florida state you know okay you know it's the two uh bridesmaids let let's see what it does but now i could care less and ticket sales uh for the Orange Bowl are down. They're not going to sell out, you know, and it would have been a great matchup. But instead, we're going to have a, uh, I guess what it's going to boil down to is just like a preseason game. Yeah, closer to Florida Atlantic than Florida State. Yes. It feels like. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I look, I understand. And, and look, the, you do get the big playoff or a bigger playoff, the 12 team. And I would, again, think for all the world, all the key players are, are, are going to stay. I mean, you just you can't justify transferring. Now, we have seen a few guys hit the portal that were reserves on teams right, like Texas exactly. and Alabama. Uh, and that's because also of the transfer portal window. And it closes the day after. Uh, the, the playoff, which is kind of awkward, uh, you know, 12 hours later, wake up yeah. and say, all right, I'm in the portal. Uh, so yeah. part of it's calendar, but also, look, this, this has been trending this direction, too. And, yeah, you're right. The Georgia-Florida State game in a perfect world would have been like, you left me out of the playoff, and you shouldn't have done that. And now it's right. like – We're going to show you. Yeah, and, and, and now it's like, well, half our team's here. Let's go for some oranges or let's go for whatever, yeah. you know, whatever we're getting yeah. out of this. So it just, yeah. I, I understand. I understand. And maybe, maybe if it, well, it's not going to now, but I was about to say, maybe if it hurts his sponsors 
enough that maybe they'll put it, uh, their voice or opinion, but um, I don't know. I, I really don't. Hey, real quick, and it just dawned on me because uh, what do you have an anniversary coming up as host of the show? I do. It uh, It is in the first week of January. Yes, sir. That's what I thought. Okay. And let me be the first to congratulate you. Surely, Steve, he's had too much on his mind. He's been on the computer or something. So uh, maybe he forgot. But let me be the first to congratulate you on uh, what I think has been a great year. Well, I certainly appreciate that, Jeff. That that does mean a lot to me. And uh, I, I I welcome any and all compliments and criticisms. So if there's and ever uh, ever anything that we can work on here, we're, we're more than happy to, to work on it. But I, I certainly do appreciate it. Well, that's uh, hey, you, you all. It's it's deserved by all y'all. Okay. Yes, and, sir. Hey, wait, now I do have an NFL question. Okay. And maybe you can look this up. Um, I'm not the biggest NFL fan, uh, uh, but uh, my brother is. Mm-hmm. And we watched some football. We had what Kansas City and Las Vegas. Who was playing? Yep. Las Vegas. And it's Las. It, it's it's Oakland to me. But either sure. way, that was the very first football game, or very first time I'd ever been in a pro stadium, or any stadium that big. And I I may have told this before, but my uh, father we were stationed in Leavenworth, Kansas. My dad was a a big Kansas City fan. And so we went over there and saw the Oakland Raiders. I don't know, coldest day of my life. I mean, it, it, I don't know if you've ever been to Kansas, but, yes, it's cold. We went out there, watched the game, and I, that is the same stadium. Don't they still play in Arrowhead Stadium? They do. It is the same. That's I'm 58. I was 10. So that stadium was if it was built right then, it's close to 50. And they've never changed their stadium. They have Royal Stadium right next to it. They have a separate baseball field and a football field. And it's never moved. Yeah, it, so you went to it pretty close to when it was open. It looks like it was opened in uh, in 1972. Um, okay. So, but, yeah, it's, it's but the same stadium, yeah. That is crazy. And how many times have the Falcons moved? You know, Fal- Falcons. With the Georgia, no. Yeah, a couple times. Yeah, the yeah. Falcons have. Oh, yeah, you mean like different stadiums? Uh, I don't know when the yeah, dome was yeah. built. I know that the Falcons were created in the '60s, and they've always been based in Atlanta. So I don't know right. how many. I don't oh, know how many times okay. they've moved stadiums. They really they they've been in Atlanta since the '60s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think '62 so was the first been, year. So I wonder if they were in Fulton County until they moved to. Or tore it down and brought Turner Field. Uh, because I was about to say, it seems so weird to me. Every time I go to Georgia Dome, now granted, I went to the suite the last time. There's nothing, you can't beat that. You can't get that in Fulton County Stadium, right? Right. But the Georgia Dome, I didn't see anything wrong with it. It's, I remember when they built the Georgia Dome, you know, and I, and I said, why do we need it then? You know, so, uh, but, um, now yep. they tore it down and built the other stadium, and I was just curious. That's it. I, I guess that's a very small market. So it uh, it is the third stadium that they're playing, and they did play in Fulton County Stadium from '66 to '91. 
Georgia Dome 92-16, to 16, and the Benz has been open about six years. Was it 92-16? to 16? Yep. Oh, goodness gracious. I had no idea it was that long that they were – gosh, I'm just getting old quick, old <laughs> quick, golly. But, hey, um, uh, I appreciate you all uh, taking my call and uh, just putting my two cents worth in. And um, if I don't talk to you before New Year's, have a happy New Year, and uh, um, hopefully I can talk to you after that. That sounds good, Jeff. We wish you a happy New Year as well. That is – that is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Appreciate that call from Jeff right there. Yeah, the the stadium thing has always been interesting to me because I remember when they tore down the Georgia Dome and how many people were like, "Do we really need to get rid of this place?" Because I was a fan of the dome and I think it was, I don't know, because I'm I'm a really big fan of Mercedes-Benz Stadium too. I, I really really like that stadium and I think if the Falcons were better, it would be as good a home environment. It hasn't been as good a home environment, but mostly because the Falcons just haven't been very good. Uh, I think it's it's probably the best environment in professional in American professional soccer. Uh, I think Atlanta United has the most active fan base, and they play in the same building. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's a nicer venue. It may not be as uh, – I, I, think, I think it is nicer. It may not have been totally necessary, but I think that – it was an improvement. It was an upgrade. And I, I think that if the Falcons were better, people would be more open to it. But I, I do remember when the Georgia Dome got torn down, there was a lot of, is this really necessary? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's, again, I don't know, because Jeff had mentioned there being maybe a smaller market team, or at least in terms of having um, a, a smaller fan base. Because uh, really, all all the NFC South teams are in the same boat of their bottom half or so in popularity, yeah. and I don't I don't think that the Falcons are a small market team. Yeah, Atlanta. Yeah, but they like Atlanta's not a small market, but they do have a very fair weather fan base. Because I mean, if you're looking for football and you live in the state of Georgia or you live in the Southeast and you're near to Atlanta, there's better football to be watched if you go to the college game. So yeah, I mean, I I don't know if it has something to do with that because some of the older franchises have more history built in that's why they're not on closed lambo mm-hmm. you know and, and going to keep doing that with kansas city with arrowhead you know some have moved on though because obviously dallas built the behemoth about what 10 15 years ago now yeah. for at&t stadium mm-hmm. and aren't uh, the titans building a new stadium see, yeah that's yeah. that was what i was going to get to is these these southern teams that have the less history seem to be a little more willing to kind of move around because because Nissan was not that old. I did not think it, I certainly had been in it a few times and, and thought pretty highly of it. Of course, now, I, I remember when we went there for uh, for SEC media days. I was really impressed with that building. It, it did not look uh, very old at all. I, I would have said no no older than built in the nineties. Yeah, I had to guess. well, and you'd be right because what I've got here is that it was opened in nineteen ninety nine, and they're already oh wow a quarter century later moving on. And I I've even heard rumblings too. Um, t- with Tampa and Raymond James is they're about to make a decision in the, in the next three four years on whether to renovate or to build another one and, and Ray J was also in the 90s so right. I, I don't know what it is but 25 30 years seems to be kind of the magical number for some of these southern teams but uh, yeah I, it, it is interesting and uh, certainly they're all built I mean all these new ones uh, mercedes-benz and out there in la and up in minnesota i think first bank and all, all these new stadiums they're, they they're going a lot more domes which that's that's a topic for some but uh, they're all really nice and they're they're doing a good job with them but 
yeah, I think two, you've got different economic models and you look at it and you say, well, uh, we're going to get people into Lambeau no matter what. Yeah. But places like Tampa and Atlanta and Tennessee with a little bit less of a guarantee if the team's kind of rough. You know, maybe you're trying to make the amenities a little better. Maybe that's what the calculus is. I don't know. Yeah, well, once you get out of the Southeast, you know, the NFL is the only game in town for a lot of these teams. And even places that have good college football, they're going to be a bigger fan of their NFL team than they are of the college team because the football is better and probably the success of that football team, of the pro team, is older than the success of that college football team. I mean, maybe Ohio, you'll find more Ohio State fans than – Bengals or Browns fans but even even still those are two very rabid fan bases and even if they are Ohio State fans they're still going to care very deeply about their NFL teams yeah but I know I mean the the overlap though there there's a lot of places there's not not the overlap you'd want because Mm -hmm. we talk about it with the LA market all the time how professional laden they are even with a big brand like USC it's had trouble being consistent yeah I I wonder you know I thought about this when we were talking about USC earlier when you go out to L.A., I wonder what their NIL collective is like at USC or UCLA or a school like that. Because, yes, there is a ton of money in that area, but really how much do the people with big money care about college football? How much are they going to want to dump into making USC this national brand, this this powerhouse that is capable of winning championships? How much are they going to care? Because you've got the Rams out there that people are probably bigger fans of. You've got... Uh, Golden State, and then you've got other just non-sports ventures that these team that these people are probably going to be more concerned with putting their money into. Yeah, uh, again, it it is it is still something to be in a college town or in even a state that is college oriented versus yep. pro, and then you understand that there are extra levels to the passion because it's one thing to get a nice crowd out there at the Coliseum or at the Rose Bowl or whatever for UCLA. But it just doesn't compare to the ninety and hundred thousand that line these SEC stadiums, and uh, and, and how consistently they'll do it. To, to be honest with you, because again, uh, Auburn's had a couple of its worst years in program history within the last ten, twelve years between twenty twelve and then even last year in twenty two. There's eighty thousand people all the time, you know, and yeah. and, and almost a near religious experience last year <laughs> against Texas A and M. And again, for a team that ultimately didn't make a bowl game. And so uh, that that's kind of the difference in an area like this, which is more college-dominated, uh, and certainly this being particular college town, uh, versus the schools that operate in big markets. I talked to you off-air briefly about this. That's why I'm finding to be Miami mm-hmm. to be a harder and harder job because everyone still remembers what the U was even 20 years ago. And then certainly the Howard Schnellenberger version of it going back in the 80s. But the problem is, as Miami continues to be more and more about the nightlife scene, party scene, etc., and all the distractions that come with that, well, you still have the expectations of the 80s and the early 2000s. But you have fans and you have people that don't invest and care as much as they do in other locales because there's so much going on there. And really, most of Floridian's teams, 
uh, especially the further south you go, they get far more fair weather and lack of days go about. It. I mean, we make in NBA circles, they make fun of the heat crowd all the time. Like, oh, six, uh, seven o'clock local tip, they'll make it by eight. <laughs> or, you know, the, the, they want to get out of there a few minutes early. Everybody knows about the finals game against San Antonio. Everyone's running, run, trying to run to get back in the stadium. And and that kind of sentiment exists. And it also ex- exists at the U. You watch their home games. They could be playing someone, I don't want to say like Florida State, but like, a, like playing a 22nd ranked Louisville team or something. Oh, that ain't going to be full. I, it's not going to be close to be full. It'll be about 60% full, 70% full. And so that kind of lackadaisical stuff makes that job a little bit harder because you don't get the passion pumping through that you need, and then you just are left with a bunch of distractions and some expectations from some and not from others. And uh, it, it's just it's kind of mixed messaging down there. And I can see how it would be that way in a lot of big cities because there's just more to do and more to hinge on. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of other schools that kind of fall into that, and my mind immediately goes to Georgia Tech. And I understand that – Georgia Tech, you also have to take in the academic standards they have, but think about how many great high school football players come from Atlanta. Yep. Come from the Atlanta area, and Georgia Tech is in the dead middle yep. of downtown Atlanta. So if the only if the only factor to good recruiting is, hey, just get the guys near you to stay home, Georgia Tech could win national championships every other year by recruiting high schools within 15 miles of that campus. But uh, maybe a little hyperbolic. But you get what I'm saying is that they they could absolutely be one of the premier football schools in the country without going outside of the city limits. And yet, because there is so much going on in Atlanta, and they also have the academic standards thing, but what Georgia Tech has surrounding it, they can't take advantage of it because there's so much else going on in that city. Yeah, the clear winners there in the recruiting world in Atlanta, Georgia, and Auburn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, clearly yeah. out recruiting anything that georgia tech does in that area and especially in basketball yeah uh you know again all of it i mean it is it's a pretty balanced location some some locations are very very football heavy some locations are very very basketball heavy like you go to the state of north carolina there's a few football players there sure but like that's a basketball state and you mm-hmm. know indiana would probably be the same way uh and some states up there in the northeast uh, whereas down south, Paul, uh, you know, ah! Alabama, Mississippi are not really pumping out too many basketball players. Alabama's pumping out some basketball players. Again, I'm not saying it's nothing. It's not a nothing burger. But you're going to go 20, 30 deep in college football with, mm-hmm. with getting really quality players. Even three-star guys like Jutkins coming out of Pike Road going Ole Miss – you don't get many of those in the basketball world down here. But Georgia is pretty dang balanced when it comes to being able to produce uh, big-time football and basketball players. I think the the per – I've said this before, and mostly talking about uh, this year's recruiting class, the per capita of great Alabama athletes is insanely high. And I, I think, like, the state is not super populated, but what it has, those kids are going to be really good. And I think you can say the same thing. I, you talked about North Carolina. Yes, that's a basketball state, 100%. You get some really good football players coming out of North Carolina as well, and Mississippi is the same way. Um, I, I think that it, for, for those schools, you just have to kind of find the right guys because there may not be that many of them, but when they come out, they're they're going to be really good. Yeah, uh, that, that's fair. Again, like I, I said, I don't want to minimize that some – 
some at the top will still transcend and right, and, and right. get through uh, just the per capita stuff. But uh, yeah, no, it, it, kind of a good little discussion sparked on there by Terry, um, as uh, a lot of different locales have the different characteristics and make different jobs tougher, recruiting areas more diverse, that sort of thing. We need to take another time out in the show. When we come back, we'll start to wind down this Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Dontry with you here on this Thursday. Last few minutes of the show. Tomorrow will be a big show as we will preview the playoffs, preview the Music City Bowl, preview really all the New Year's Six Bowls, preview all the basketball, preview this, preview that, <laughs> review this, review that. It's going to be the last show of 2023. Again, no show Monday, January 1st. It's the new year. Lots lots of football. Everyone recover from the festivities the night before. And you know what I mean, Brant. It's New Year's Eve. There's no secrets here. You know, my festivities are going to be sitting in my house and just just reading a book, maybe. uh, I'm not going to be reading a book. I don't know. I'll probably be playing video games. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I, I... a lot be of people recovering from festivities. A lot of people, December the thirty first, <laughs> evening they partake until one a.m. They partake, enjoy beverages that are for twenty one and older people. And look, I'm not above enjoying such beverages <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> so I'm just simply suggesting, <laughs> while that is not the particular reason we are we are off. <laughs> On Monday, January 1st. I think everyone could use a day. We will not That's have fair. a show Monday, That's January fair. 1st. We will see everyone again on the 2nd. But, of course, we will see everyone tomorrow as well. So we want you to tune in to that. Final minute or two of today's show. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Uh, Brooks put some cornhole on the TV guide. I'm just going to go ahead and... He's not here, so he can't defend himself. Uh, he'll he'll be back next week. American Cornhole League's on ESPN2, though, at 6 and 7 o'clock. If you want to 
uh, become a better cornhole player in time for 2024. Are you are you a cornhole guy? Do you like playing? I cornhole? play. I, I think we all play when given the chance. But yeah. I don't. I don't own a board or anything. It's it's been a while since I've played. I I think I think I used to own a board and like I left it at my parents. I can't remember. Sure. But I, what I big fan of cornhole. Just haven't played in a while. When said or you know aforementioned beverages are being enjoyed. Yeah, usually. On a, on, yeah, usually heightens the, the experience. Yeah, absolutely. So that's at six and seven o'clock. Uh, you also have got the bowl game tonight, uh, Oklahoma and Arizona. That's at 8.15 on ESPN. Banger. Also, movie picks, 6 o'clock on Freeform. It's Tarzan. Oh. 6.30. A soundtrack by Phil Collins. You can't go wrong. 6.30. FXM, Deadpool 2. Can't go Pretty wrong good. with Ryan Reynolds there. Pretty good. And then 7 o'clock AMC, Moneyball, starring Brad Pitt. I still have never watched that. Quality movie. I mean, again, it's not going to be like the... It's not an action movie, right? Uh, right, right. Yeah, but, I, I know. I know the premise. I just yeah, I've never good. taken the time to sit down and watch it. Pitt's good. Uh, Jonah Hill's in that. He's good, and uh, I think Chris Pratt is Scott Hatterberg, which made me laugh a lot. Huh. Uh, kind of a random first baseman from the early two thousands, right? So that made me laugh, and uh, yeah, no, it's not really necessarily that funny of a movie, although there is some comedy. But it's a good one. You should watch seven o'clock AMC. That's Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer, and that will do it for the show today. Brant Daughtry, thank you for being here on this Thursday, and uh, we'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you for having me. And again, that does it for this Thursday edition of the show. One more show coming up in 2023 tomorrow. Again, three-hour show, so tune in to that. As always, we appreciate those that tuned in and called in. For Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.